This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. How nice to have your company on Friday morning. Arsenal striker Joel Campbell uh, bought 500 Panini stickers, hoping to find his image in one of them. He didn't. So he's very upset. What an egotist. What an egotist. Fancy buying 500. They're more stupid by the day, these footballers. Um, what makes a national treasure? They call Bruce Forsyth a national treasure. The old argument used to be it looks like they dug him up somewhere. Uh, we've got the In Conversation clips this week. Adam Ants will have a little clip of what he's going to be talking about on Sunday. And uh, Ruth Jones as well. Uh, how a wife got revenge on her cheating lover at the Spider-Man premiere. All the old low-rent Essex cars, you know, because they weren't doing anything, so they just put on their old frocks and out they trot. Same as yesterday and the day before. All of that and more on LBC this morning. Plus, we take all your texts and emails, 84850, steve at So, former Commons Deputy Speaker Nigel Evans told of his 11 months of hell as the jury cleared him of all charges. There was no doubt in my mind they were always going to be clearing him of all charges, especially uh, when... And he, he's been through 11 months of hell, although he came out and said the same as William Roach. There are no winners or losers in this. There are no winners or losers. I mean, well, as far as I'm concerned, the only loser appears to be the Crown Prosecution Service, who've got some vendetta against uh, people who are having sex. Perhaps they don't have sex at the Crown Prosecution Service, because if you look at the, at the case here of Nigel Evans, I mean, during the, the trial, three of the people who were put up in court, didn't even consider an offence had been committed. A fourth said he'd had a bit of a giggle about it, and a fifth asked to withdraw his allegations because he didn't want the former Tory MP quizzed over a drunken misunderstanding. So, in other words, all these people had said, no, don't take it to court. Most of them were absolutely consensual. In fact, they were all consensual, and the jury quite clearly decided. I understand if somebody goes to the police with an allegation, they have to investigate, they then send it to the Crown Prosecution Service, who sit down and look at it. But when you've got four, five people here who say, no, why are you wasting time in court? They seem to have a bit of a vendetta against people. William Roach cleared of all charges. Dave Lee Travers cleared, and then they went for it. They're obviously sort of trying to get something. They're trying to get some sort of conviction. They've only got Stuart Hall at the moment. Jim Davidson, cleared of everything. Jimmy Tarbuck, cleared of everything. Why are they wasting time? Is there somebody inside the Crown Prosecution Service who's got some sort of, some sort of kink against something? I don't quite understand why. You know, if it's consensual sex and it's somebody over the age of 18, who gives us stuff? You know, it's ridiculous, because otherwise you might as well wheel the entire country into court, because it basically means that if somebody goes to the police and says, 35 years ago, I was in a disco in Leicester Square, and somebody picked me up and had sex with me, and I didn't want to have sex with them. And they go, oh, right, that's OK, let's bring them into court then. And so you can go and disrupt somebody's perfectly ordinary life. They might be married, have children or whatever, and for so many months they create merry hell. And at the end they go, uh, not, not guilty. The jury, the best system we have in this country, decides that somebody's not guilty. Who's paying for all these trials? You are. You're paying for it. You're paying for it. I can't believe it. I think in the Jimmy Savile case, what was it, 470 people came forward. I mean, quite clearly a lot of them were just uh, fantasists. I think there's only 200 and something uh, people who sort of figure in it. How you prove it, I've got no idea. How it's ever provable, I have no idea that somebody had sex with you years ago against your wishes. I mean, how, how do you ever go back when one person's dead and there's no sort of evidence of it? It's just one person's word against, well, against nobody's, because there's nobody put on trial in the case of Jimmy Savile. 
But more and more of these Crown prosecution cases are coming up and more and more times the jury are going, not guilty. And the person has been through 11 months. All the papers are saying he should be allowed to get on with his life now. But as he said yesterday outside court, he said, you know, it's, this has changed everything. Absolutely everything. Your sex life is dragged through court. What in God's name? is perhaps, perhaps some people are a bit perverted and they want to hear about other people's sex lives. Because, to be honest with you, that's the only reason I can think about it. They go, I mean, I should imagine there must be loads of MPs who've had a quick fumble down in the bar when they've had a few drinks. We've seen a few drunk MPs in our time. We've seen this. I mean, they might as well wander through the music industry. Because I'm assuming there must be no end of groups who've had groupies and who, uh, and people make a living out. In America, they have famous groupies. People who've deliberately been out and slept with people. And then they sell their story. They go, I'm a super groupie. And you think, oh, fantastic. And so now it makes it into court. But, I mean, you know, I'm just waiting for the first former boy bands to be dragged into court because they were, they were having sort of fumblings with their fans. And you know what fans are like? They're very fickle in this day and age. You know, one minute they're holding up signs going, we love you, the next minute going, we absolutely hate you because you've got a girlfriend. Look how many times you've seen people in groups, little boy bands, and they get a girlfriend, and the girlfriends start being targeted by these so-called fans. I call them ugly trolls. You want to see them outside. I mean, some nights, I mean, they're ghastly. And they're the ones who send hate messages to these poor people who all of a sudden go, uh, I'm going out with somebody. Oh, was it, who was talking about Richie Neville earlier on? Ollie Mann was talking about Richie Neville, a man whose career faded out about 500 years ago. And now, because he's managed to get, is it Natasha Hamilton up the duff? Well done you, Richie. Oh, you're a bright spark, aren't you? No money, and yet managed to get somebody pretty. They're not married, but they've already sold the story to OK Magazine. Makes me feel heartily sad, I'm afraid. Heartily sad that these people... He's the one who's come back with a very strange accent. He was always a bit peculiar first time round. He always looked like he was a little middle-class boy who didn't fit into a boy band, but had to go through. I told you the story. I saw him at the lottery once, and he sweated like a pig all the way through the thing. In fact, the sweat was flying off him like you've never seen. And I remember thinking then, these, these little boy bands, they're not everything they're, they're all cracked up to be. They're just shunted around from pillar to post. He's, his career finished, and now he thinks he's coming back, and he's looking forward to touring. Who in God's name is going to be buying a ticket? I mean, the place is going to be full of walking sticks, isn't it? And Zimmer frames and oxygen cylinders. It was like, take that. At least they managed to turn themselves around and had the decency to do a couple of stadium tours to top up the bank balance. Because I don't think they were absolutely loaded. I mean, even poor old Gary Barlow had a, had a bad fallow period in his life. But you, you do worry, don't you, about who the next people are who are going to be in court. What person is going to crawl out of the woodwork? And go, you know, I went out there to see whichever group it happens to be. And then afterwards I went back to the dressing room and they, they did this or they did that. Mind you, the case of Blue, most of them are gay, so it doesn't actually really matter, does it, too much? You don't need to worry about that. I didn't realise. They always say one in every four is. So if there's a five-piece band, there's got to be two. At least two people. Which actually is surprising, because I was looking at a picture the other day of uh, Union J, who, without having any hit singles, have managed to bring out dolls of themselves. They brought out little... Well, they'll be remaining in Poundland by Christmas, I would think. Who's going to buy them? Who buys... Do- because the average age of the fan, for One Direction, I would think would be 15, something like that, 15, 16. They don't buy dolls. They don't buy dolls. Who would want to buy a doll? Of, of the, I mean, the only one who's instantly recognisable, because the, the rest of them just look as though they've been cloned. The only one who's instantly recognised is the one who's got all the hair, who looks the campest out of the lot. And you think, who would buy a doll? Are they going to be worth money in years to come? I mean, should I go out today and invest in the complete set? Producer says yes. Computers say no. 
But computers say yes. Buy the complete set of them, put them away somewhere, and then in years to come, they're going to be worth money. No, they're not, because in years to come, people can say, Union who? Union jet, what are they doing now? <laughs> Dunno. One's working in a bar, the other one's stacking shelves, and two of them disappeared off to Australia. And that's about as far as it goes. A uh, little bit disappointed in the TOWIE star James Locke, who makes a lot of the papers today. He's been charged with possessing illegal drugs after being arrested over an early morning bust-up with a minicab driver. I always thought there was a nasty side to him. I'm a bit disappointed. A little bit disappointed in him. But I always thought, you know, a bust-up with a minicab driver. You know, they have to suffer enough grief as it is with drunks and things like that. Uh, the reality TV hunk could face the axe from the next series if found guilty. It turns out he was an initially held on suspicion of criminal damage and possession of Class A drugs and spent the night in the cells. You pathetic, stupid boy. Uh, the possession charge was later downgraded from Class A to Class C substance believed to be ketamine. Is ketamine Class C now? Isn't that very... Ketamine is a horse tranquilizer. That's what it is. It is a horse tranquilizer, And that's, that's downgraded, is it? Good grief. Anyway, he's, he's going to come up in court again on June the 27th. What is it with these people? What is it? Even if the drugs thing, you know, is neither here nor there. You know, to get into a row with a minicab driver, what is it? If you're on television, you are whiter than white. You are absolutely whiter than white. You don't do anything. You don't sneeze without getting your handkerchief out. That's what happens nowadays. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. We saw it, didn't we, with that nasty little thug who married Jade Goody. He had an altercation with a cab driver, but he went to prison for it, thank God. And then we had that crackpot idea of his mother going up to Jade Goody's grave. He, of course, was nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. Anyway, I don't know who, um, who Lockie is going out with. Um, I think uh, he was constantly accused of cheating on his girlfriend. I mean, who cares? Look at him. They all look as, you know, they look pathetic, these people in the programme, and they're getting worse. Anyway, he was, he was going out with Danielle Armstrong. She's bleach blonde this week. And uh, then they were in the final show, and they were seen kissing and cuddling on Wednesday night. They're so desperately lonely, aren't they? It's like the Fahir's sisters. They're so desperately lonely. Gemma Collins must go to bed at night sobbing into her pillow. Because nobody wants to go out with her. Arge isn't interested. The only time Arge ever goes out is when he can't pick up anybody else. And so he goes out with it. And then we suddenly realised the other week there was a nude picture of Arge. I sent a sympathy card uh, to him. And then somebody said, how ironic that he should send a nude picture of himself or somebody did on the internet. Why you don't want to do a nude picture if you're famous? I've got no idea when you're fat and grossly overweight. Because he's got a book out. He's got an autobiography. Who's interested in an autobiography of a three-year-old? You're not remotely interested in something. He hasn't done anything. What's he done? Nothing. I think that they should cancel the programme immediately. I'm bored with it already. Well, I was bored with it first time round, but I love talking about it. Because I get paid for talking about it. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody says, they say there's no winners or losers in these court cases. I bet the lawyers are feeling a bit financially victorious. Yes, they are. But how these things ever get to court, I've got no idea. I listened to the police try to justify... Uh, bringing it to court, saying if somebody makes an allegation, but should they look, not look properly? Because they're quite clearly cocking it up left, right and centre. They've now had four, five cases in court, which have been found not guilty. The whole idea of putting it through into court is to hope for a prosecution, hoping the person is guilty. But in, in so many of these cases so far, they've got nothing at all. They're being made to look a little bit stupid, the Crown Prosecution Service. But I wonder really whether there's somebody inside there who's got some agenda going on. I'd love to know. Quarter past four. Morning, everybody. 18 minutes past four. Friday morning, Patricia says, I'd love there to be dolls of LBC presenters. I'd buy the one of you. 
Nick Abbott and Christo. I don't think there's enough plastic in the world to make the Christo one. I have to be honest, that, that, would, be, that would be a slightly bigger box. Perhaps you could get a box set of miniature LBC presenters. I think that would be quite a nice idea. Um, good to you, says John in Bournemouth, which is uh, lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, other stories which are in the papers for today. Uh, Paul Routledge, writing in the Mirror, is confused by what is a national treasure. People refer to Bruce Forsyth as a national treasure. I think you, you get to... I think Dame Judi Dench would be a national treasure. Maggie Smith would be a national treasure. They're people who've gone beyond, beyond. I mean, there are lots of people who perhaps would be the same age, but they're not national treasures in so much. I mean, pick, I mean, Bruce is, pardon me, is, of course, the perfect point uh, here, case in point. We're invited to shed tears at the retirement of Brucey. Um, Paul says, I've never watched a single episode, so I'm in no position to judge how wonderful he is. Well, I mean, you can't be that ignorant, Paul. You must have seen Bruce on other things. I mean, he's been around in television since before you were born. So you must have seen him. So you don't have to have... And how you've missed that on television. I don't know. Perhaps, are you busy or something? Have you got a still going in the garden? He says he, he never struck me as being particularly funny or worthy of adulation, but he's definitely on the list of national treasures, along with Joanna Lumley. And Claire Balding. No, Claire Balding's not a national treasure. She's way too young to be a national treasure. Michael Palin. Is that, Terry Wogan's not a national treasure. No, there's, it's, there's something about it. It has to be a certain quality. I don't know what it is. I cannot tell you. But Judy Dench would be a national treasure. He says, um, and David Attenborough is a real zoologist. Tony Benn must have been doubtful about his elevation in the treasurehood. It only came when he was politically harmless. He wasn't a national treasure at all. Tony Benn? Nobody took a blind bit of notice of what the poor old rambling soul said. Richard Dimbleby, Russell Harty, they were treasures in their lifetime. You quite clearly don't know what a, what a national treasure is, Paul. A national treasure would be... It would be the, the likes of Judy Dench. It's not Terry Wogan. Terry Wogan's not a national treasure. The old Wogan. It's not a national treasure. You know, and Claire Balding definitely isn't a national treasure. Joanna Lumley's probably borderline treasure. But Claire Balding's definitely... Why would she be national treasure? You have to be a certain age to be national treasure, and um, and and she she definitely isn't it. Mind you, national treasure is a couple here. They go along to a, a supermarket, and uh, unfortunately, they they pick up a trolley, and in the trolley is a carrier bag. In this carrier bag is two and a half thousand pounds in cash. It was owned by Yusuf Bora. He was on the way to the bank with the takings for two days when he stopped at a macro cash and carry. Uh, he loaded up his car with the goods, drove off, and left the cash in the trolley. By the time he realised, the cash had gone, which, of course, you would expect it to. Luckily, they've got CCTV pictures of the couple who nicked it. So, the advice is, and this is in the mirror for today, um, they're hoping, they're hoping, uh, that these people will, will get in touch with the police. Because you've seen yourself now in the newspaper and you pair of old tea leaves, you should have taken the money straight away. But, of course, you're hoping nobody's seen you. But I can clearly see you very, very well. Very, very well indeed. You don't walk off with somebody else's money, you thieving pair of toe rags. Get it into the police station as fast as possible because somebody's going to be phoning you today going, Mum, Dad... You're in the papers. That's why they've been quite polite and said, fingers crossed, this picture will encourage these people to take the money back. <laughs> yeah, right. What would you do if you found £2,500 in a supermarket trolley? We're going on holiday. We're buying a bigger television. Let's change the car, you pair of old toe rags.
Take it back immediately, because otherwise your next-door neighbours are going to be putting double locks on the door because nobody's going to trust you. Terrible. Uh, 84850, Dorman Dom in Basingstoke, says Steve Allen is a national treasure. I don't think, do you think national treasure? I don't think I'm old enough to be national treasure. Matt reckons David Jason is, is a national treasure. Yes, I suppose, you see, I think David Jason could be seen as a national treasure. You know, so I, I think, I think that's it. I, we didn't have any chuggers yesterday in Twickenham, otherwise I would have, I would have actually sort of picked up on them. I was waiting Waiting to do me bits like, you know, stand there in front of them. I might go out with a friend of mine and do it this weekend. I've got to get hair cut today before I do the hospital treadmill. They've changed the time. It was going to be 2.30. I thought by that time I could have sort of made some excuse as to why I didn't want to go. But yesterday we had one hospital appointment. That went quite well. That went quite well. I've lost a bit of weight. And uh, the blood sugar readings are good. 5.8 this morning. 5.8. We thought that was very good. I'll tell you, my, my fingers are like sieves. They silly. I mean, I've got so many holes in my fingers now through doing this blood. But anyway, that's okay. So we've done that. So the the person who's looking after me in the hospital was very pleased. She had another two months. We'll notice a difference. The blood sugar readings are excellent, and even we think we think they were they were good as well. So very happy about that. Today it's the treadmill. This is for the heart. So I've had to take out my beta blocker tablet, which I take, which is a tenanol, and but I didn't know what it looked like. Because all my tablets come in boxes. So they put all the tablets in there and I just take morning, lunchtime, evening. And so I looked at the... T- and I've got no idea. So I had to go into the chemist and say, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> Don't want to be a pain, but... But which one's the tenanol? And he went, I think it's this one. So they, they then checked and went, yep, that's it. So I'll, I've taken it out of the equation because it's a blood pressure tablet. And then what I'll do is after I've done the treadmill this afternoon, if I live, if I live, then I will, I will actually get the... Uh, the tablet back into the system again. I'm, I'm dreading this. This is the only thing I absolutely dread is this walking thing because it bloody well hurts. It really does. If you've got a little bit of angina, and I've got a spray, but I don't think so. And all they've said is you just have to bring a list of your medicine, so that's exciting, and uh, and bring some some walking shoes. So I'm putting my Vans on, and they brought it forward from two thirty to one thirty. So I've got an interview with James Alexandru to do this morning, who was Martin Fowler in EastEnders, and he's going to be starring. In the Leicester Square Theatre, he's doing a bit of serious, serious acting. So we'll have a chat to him this morning. And then as soon as I finish with him, and he's in at 9.30, I've then got to rush home as quick as possible and uh, get myself changed. Why why are you changed for the hospital? I've got no idea. You have to take your shirt off when you get in there. Nobody else is allowed in the treatment room, thank God. And uh, and then they stick all these things all over your body, and then they start you off walking on a, a thing, and then they speed it up. And that's when you go, it hurts. Stop it now. I did ask them the other time, I said, has anybody ever died on the treadmill? And they said no. So I felt, I felt a bit heartened by that. Not, not totally heartened, but just, just a little bit heartened. Uh, so here is this couple, and uh, the, the, the police have looked at it, and they issued an image. Uh, the film shows them taking the bag and leaving in a white car. Oh, God, they've even got their car. You see, what they should have done, if they were sensible, is driven straight to the police station, saying, we've just found this. Or failing that, gone into the store and said, listen, we've just found this in here. Because Lucy, my producer of In Conversation, we'll have two clips later on for In Conversation for this weekend, when she came to my party the other week, which we had at the Hippodrome, she walked out at the end of the party, but she'd left her phone. And she didn't, she didn't, she was thinking, wait a minute, I've, I'm, on the, I'm on the bus home, and, uh, and wh- where, where's my phone gone? 
So she phoned somebody who else was at the party and they said, yes, I remember seeing it on one of the coffee tables in the luxurious suite which Steve had. And, um, and so they, she then phoned the Hippodrome and they went, wait a minute, we go, yes, we have it. Now, if she'd left it down on the floor, on the gaming floor, it would have gone, sure as God made little apples. Not because there's lots of dishonest people there, but because by the very nature of the fact it's a phone on the floor, somebody's going to pick it up like this tow rag, sorry, these, uh, the, sorry, these, um, these nice people who've got the money from Macro, the £2,500. And so she was able to go back and pick up her phone again, which was very lucky because yesterday I was standing in the fruit and veg shop in Twickenham and a lady came in and said, she said, nobody's handed in a bag of shopping, have they? She left a bag of shopping at the bus stop. And we said no. So somebody, again, people pick up things and they uh, and they nick things. Why? Because they just do nowadays. Uh, 84850, steve at And uh, we shall pick up on everything. Everything. So there is, uh, there is nothing that we will not read out on the programme. 84850, steve at uh, Still to come... There's, a, there's another bloke that we found in the papers. He's 44 times he's been banned from driving, and 44 times he's totally ignored it. His name's John Moyer. He's got 220 previous convictions, and now, whilst driving, whilst disqualified... He comes from Ipswich. Uh, instead, he got a 16-week prison sentence suspended for a year. He previously boasted, going to prison won't stop me. Do you know why can't we be the same as Saudi Arabia? Chop his hands and legs off. See how he copes after that. It's ridiculous. I mean, he, he talked to the wheel because his partner became distressed when she got lost whilst driving. These people are compulsive liars. They are compulsive liars. They should be locked up. 44 times he's got 250 previous convictions. 220 previous convictions. You know, people like that are idiots. They're a bit stupid. They don't actually have a job of work. Uh, he nearly killed a pedestrian a few years back. And, and, I mean, how many more times do you have to put him into court? I'd have had him out of court into prison. Stay there the rest of your life, mate. You're too stupid for words. Patrick says, is Barbara Windsor a national treasure? Yes, absolutely. Of course she would be a Barb. Of course Barb would be a, a national treasure. Look at what she's crammed into her life. Look at what she's crammed. She's crammed everything in from being, you know, little busty Barbara Windsor, tottering around on high heels, to working with Joan Littlewood at Theatre Royal Stratford East, doing all the stuff there, Bessie Mates with Kenneth Williams. I think she went on his honeymoon. No, wait a minute. He, sorry, he went on her honeymoon. <laughs> he wasn't married. He was gay. And, um, and so, you know, she's, she has a history. She has a history. I mean, this is a woman who knew the craze. That's a history. That's a history. This is, get out, my pup. That was, no, that's a history. Of course she's a national treasure. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, one Direction fans will buy anything with 1D written on it. I've seen those people. Oh, yes, I mean, I've, I've seen all of them. I've seen all of them. I've seen the fans out in, in Leicester Square, and I've seen fans at concerts, and I've seen how horrible they can be when any of these groups, these poor boy bands, get... Get girlfriends. They're, they're targeted really badly, actually. Really badly. Kevin the Milkman says, James O'Brien's doll would come with a bottle of champagne and this week's copy of Socialist Worker. It would definitely have the champagne. He's so middle class. He tries to pretend he's working class. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Like, he's so middle class. Listen, this is a man who keeps chickens. He keeps chickens. What more can I tell you? He eats out in posh restaurants. I'm common. I'm definitely common. You know, I eat sort of... 
chips and things like that. Not all the time, because my blood sugars are really, really good. In fact, at the moment, they are even better than we thought they were going to be. Coming up, why coffee tastes better if you gulp it. LBC News Time, 4.30. 28 minutes to five. So yesterday... I leave here, I sort of run out the bit. well, I don't know, walk out the building, have a little little saunter down the road, and I get the bus to Waterloo. I'm a creature of habit, because I've got my free card, sorry, sorry uh, my, my Oyster card. I, um, I sort of stand there, and I wait for the bus, and I have a choice of buses. I can either get the Penge bus, I've never been to Penge, it sounds quite exciting, but uh, I, I didn't get as far as Penge, and I can't remember what the bus was I got on yesterday. So I get on the bus, and I sit down, and I sort of I stare out the window, and I don't know what I'm thinking of. I could be thinking of anything. I sort of, sometimes I sort of stare out the window thinking, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do today? Oh, yeah, hospital. As per usual, it's like a regular thing for me. So I'm sitting there, and an inspector gets on the bus. And uh, I knew he was an inspector because they always ask the driver for their number. So there's obviously some number that comes up on the machine, and um, and you sort of put this, this sort of number down, and he says, and your, your number is... Uh, yeah, so-and-so. So. He says, OK, drive on. And then he comes round and he checks people's tickets. So, of course, I'm first. I'm first. I'm sitting there waiting, you know, to have my, my ticket checked. So I open my wallet, and I've got two of these cards now. So I show him the card, and he looks at it, and he goes, thank you. And then he leans over, and he goes, I like your show very much. <laughs> so I said, thank you. There's no answer to it, is there, in the morning, first thing. I thought, how do people know? How did somebody know it was me? How do you know it's me? I mean, I know people have obviously seen pictures on the internet, but, I mean, how do people, you know, I mean, not everybody looks the same, do they, in real life? I probably look slightly better, I should imagine. So, anyway, so then he uh, he goes off on the bus and he goes upstairs on the bus. And I'm, I'm happily smiling to myself, because every day, never a day goes by where you don't find somebody else who's listening to LBC. It's either a taxi driver, minicab driver, bus drivers, bus in... I've got all sorts of people. People walking down the street, hello, all right? And you go, hello? Which is about as far as you want to go, you know, unless you want to hold hands and skip. And so then he came back down again and he said, uh, he said, will you give me a shout out tomorrow morning? So I said, yeah. I said, what's your name? He said, Trevor. I said, what time? He said, 4.30. So Trevor, here's your fourth 4.30 shout out. I think he was working through till he, I think he said two o'clock yesterday afternoon. I'd love a job as an inspector on a bus. I'd have a field day. I could be a ticket inspector, Trevor. I could be that person. I could go like, check your ticket. Hello? Check, check, check. No, I'm sorry. Off the bus. They do it in Vienna. In Vienna, it's hilarious. Uh, they have, uh, because they, they call the riders there, it's called black riding on the underground. And the idea, they have a trust system in Vienna. So, in other words, when you get on to the uh, platform, you ping your ticket. It's a bit like swiping your Oyster card. But there, you buy the tickets or you've got a pass, which you buy in the tobacconist. And you get on the train and you're supposed to you know, have pinged your tickets. So you can buy a book of tickets, you rip them off, you put it in, it pinged. So if anybody stops, you can show them that the ticket has been verified. And on every station, and they're immaculate, the stations. But, of course, what they've now got, they've got the ticket inspectors. And they have three. Sometimes there's four of them getting on a train. So they get on the train, and they just look like ordinary people. The only way you can tell the ticket inspectors is because on all the platforms, you see them standing there, chatting away together, comparing notes and things like that. The train comes in, they all split up, and they get on, and the doors close, and then they take out their badge. And they put the badge on, they go, Farshine. Now, I, being, being British, I was a bit naughty. I knew what you were supposed to do. You were supposed to stamp the ticket before you got on the train. But I thought, and this was many, many years ago, perhaps I could make the book of tickets last a bit longer if I didn't stamp them. So I knew what the ticket inspectors were. And he gets on the train, 
and he goes, for, he puts his little badge on, far shine, so people are showing them. And so when he gets to me, I, I go, oh, right, I take my little book of tickets out, I rip one off and I give it to him. And he goes, no, no, you stamp. And so at the next station, he takes me off. I know what he's going to do. He takes me up the stairs to where the ticket punch machine is and he goes, in here. I go, oh, pfft, dumb British, dumb British. And so that was fine. I never did it ever again because after that, I bought a, a proper travel card with photo on which, again, you can buy in the, uh, in the tobacconist. But I used to take great delight in watching them. When they used to get on the... I would deliberately get on a train if I saw the ticket inspectors on the platform, just so I could sit there and show my card and then see how many people. And it, over there, it was quite a high fine. And they literally will take you off the train, and you don't go anywhere. And it's, it's easy to catch people. Here, I, should, I don't know how many people in the course of a week Trevor would catch, but I suspect there would be a number of people who would be travelling on... Uh, either false cards or somebody else's cards or... I know, I heard of a person a short while ago who was travelling on a child's card on a train. And every time he saw the ticket inspector coming, he just kept hopping carriages. Which I thought was a little bit dangerous because eventually you're going to get caught out. And that's what they do. Occasionally at Twickenham Station, they have this sweep where you'll get off the train and the station is full upstairs of Metropolitan Police officers. I love it. I absolutely love it. Because I want to sit there. I want to go and get a chair and just sit down with Brian and watch how many people are getting caught. It's for the students. Because a lot of the students are cheating the system. They try and rush the barriers so they can get two or three people through before the barrier closes because they don't have have tickets because they can't be bothered. And those people I absolutely love. I was waiting at the bus stop the other day and... And I, I sort of, sort of, and a lot of students get on the bus. And there were some students who were getting on the bus where I was getting on the bus, and they go one stop. One, I couldn't quite work out why you would only want to go one stop on a bus. <laughs> I do too, which is better. Anyway, so Trevor had his uh, had his day yesterday, and no doubt he'll be out on the buses again this morning. Be warned, be warned. If you're actually sort of caught without a ticket. They're not messing around. You'll be getting a fine, and you could end up with a criminal record. So be very, very careful. Uh, 84850, uh Another one here from uh, Rob. Horse tranquilizers. You say, say nay. Yes, I can't believe that somebody would ever... Be- I mean, I've heard of ketamine. I've heard of ketamine. I thought it was something to do with, with um, cereal when somebody told me about it years ago, and then they said, no, it's a horse tranquilizer. I said, why under God's earth would you ever, ever want to put a horse tranquilizer into your body? Why would you ever want to do it? The latest thing, apparently, is something that you use for stripping paint off garage doors. Why, you'd ever want to, why would you want to put that into your body? I can't quite understand. And then people get surprised. They go, oh, my beautiful daughter, my beautiful son, beautiful, has just died. And you think, well, they must have known the risk. I mean, they can't be that dim, these people, can they? Rob is looking forward to the chat with Adamant on Sunday. We'll, help, we'll play you a little clip this morning of Adamant. A little tiny taster, a little sousson, a little potpourri of what he was talking about. He was very lucid. I don't think you'll hear a better chat with Adamant. I don't say that because I think I did a particularly good interview. It's just that he was, he was particularly good on that day. Uh, Noreen says, just said the sad news, Sue Townsend has uh, died. Very sad. On the news, they suggested a stroke. Yes, she'd been, it was a short illness. She was 68, I believe. Uh, we all remember the Adrian Mole books. I always thought, for some reason in the back of my mind, I used to think that the Adrian Mole was the forerunner to Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter. He looked a bit similar, I always thought. Well, that's what I thought in my, in my sad little mind, I'm afraid. Uh, the Cambridges are wowing New Zealand, she says. Stunning family. Diana would be very proud of them. And George, the image of William. Have a great Saturday. Yes, I've got lunch in town with some 
some other radio people tomorrow, which I'm looking forward to. I quite like that, actually. I've got to get my hair cut at some point. When I'm going to get my hair cut, I've got no idea. It's practically in my eyes at the moment, as you saw from the selfie the other day. She said, hope the hospital goes well. I'm dreading it. I'm, as, it's the only thing I'm dreading. I don't, I don't generally dread going to, I don't mind giving blood now, especially when they go, right, let's try and find a vein, and you think, oh, God, just do it. Just do it. But they were very pleased with me, because I've lost a bit of weight. The blood sugars are, are, are going in, in the right direction. I've just got to get through this blasted treadmill today. I shall do my best, though. I shall try not to cry. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Anne says, find us keepers, Steve. If the idiot left the money behind and was so dozedly behind, the winners and the finders get to keep it. That man's fault. Well, you're going straight to hell, aren't you, Anne? I should imagine. I mean, what a toe rag you are. So, in other words, I tell you what, if you go out and leave your front door open and somebody burgles you, that's kind of your problem, isn't it, really? Perhaps we'll all have a good laugh at that one. I had a bit of a laugh today at Karina Finney. Karina Finney um, went to court. She gained revenge on her cheating lover by getting a removal man to strip his flat bare, even taking the carpets. Uh, She was heartbroken. She's only 39. Well, I'm sorry, I looked at a picture, I thought she was about 60. She's 39. She's the oldest 39-year-old I've ever seen in my life. She looks like Nora Batty. And she must have been well advanced in years. And so she was heartbroken when she caught boyfriend Brian Waite playing away for the third time. She's obviously dumb as well. So in revenge, she contacted a removal driver and took everything. Clothes, toiletries, just left uh, the underlay on the floors. He's 63, quite clearly. I mean, she must be a bit desperate if a 39-year-old's going out with a 63-year-old. Police tracked her down. And she admitted theft when she appeared in court, but she refused to apologise and insisted Mr Waite got what he deserved. My solicitor told me to say I was sorry, but I'm not. I'm only sorry I didn't do it sooner. Well, you're an idiot woman, aren't you? A complete and utter bozo. Why would you stay with a man? You know, once, OK. Twice, no way. Third time, you're a doormat. You're a fool. She comes from Swindon. She caught her partner cheating twice last year and... Um, she, he went on to a, a dating site called Mature and Free. God. I said free because you wouldn't want to pay for it, I suppose. Anyway, the, the belongings were recovered. And uh, she's been freed on bail until May the 12th. And then presumably they will sentence. She thinks she's big and clever. You stupid woman. You stupid. You can't just go around doing that, you know, and to actually say afterwards, making yourself look even more of a bozo. You know, my solicitor told me to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. You know, why are you staying with a man who's cheating on it? Can't you find anybody else? I mean, is it that is it that desperately sad in your household? Come on, goodness sake, honestly. Pull yourself together. Next thing, Jeremy Kyle show, I should imagine. Um, years ago, my dad worked in the theatre, says Lynn. So we spent time at the stage door. Some of the girls and women who were waiting for the performers threw themselves so blatantly. Well, everybody, people do. People do people people do that to loads of people now. You don't have to be in the theatre. You can be, you know, on Britain's Got Talent. People see that. Look at all the cast of The Only Way is Essex. A more naff bunch of degenerates you'd be hard pushed to find. And yet people throw themselves there. Look at all these bleach blonde sort of glamour model types. They'll go with anybody. That's how they make a living nowadays. You know, if they can find somebody like Mario Falcone, who frankly, judging by his track record, appears to be sleeping with just about the entire county... You think to yourself, all they do is sell the story afterwards. They just make themselves look cheap. They can't help it. It's the way it goes nowadays, isn't it? That's why it's, uh, it's a case of, you know, people will, will do something because they want fame. It's fame by association. Fame by association. Uh, 84850. Another one here. 
says uh, the inspectors give their own number to the driver in order to get an inspector ticket, which gives them a detail, info on the trip number and how many people are travelling, says Mohammed, who's the R68, which means he does Hampton Court. He does Hampton In fact, I got an R68 yesterday when I went to the hospital in Teddington. I got the R68. I live on buses. I love buses. I got sent this morning. I, the, the car changed. I ended up in a, um, in, a, in a Ford Galaxy, I think it was, or something like that. It's quite comfy, you know, inside. Very comfy. I, was, I, was, I looked at it, I think, this is actually quite nice. Very nice. Uh, people speak the way they come from, so people and judging somebody on that is wrong. Sadly not. <laughs> Sadly not. No, you can always judge people by the way they speak. Um, 84850, steve at uk. Poor old Sharon says it's stealing by finding. It is absolutely stealing. That's what it is. But it's, if, it's, if it's not yours and you, you've taken it, you're a thief. You're a thief. There's a, you, can't, you can't make it to be anything else, can you? You're either a thief or you're not a thief. And if you find £2,500 in a shopping trolley and you know it's not yours, you're a thief. You've stolen it. And that's why stupid Anne earlier on, you know, you hope she leaves her door open when she goes out and somebody goes in and removes everything. All your personal possessions because you'll deserve it. It's your own problem. Coming up, why are primary school classes getting rid of the class teddy bear? It's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. I had chicken Kiev yesterday. I was just telling the producer, it makes me very common, doesn't it? Because apparently it's a, it's a student-y kind of thing. You're having chicken Kiev? Because it used to be considered posh. And now, of course, chicken Kiev is actually quite cheap. I love it. I love it. I went to a butcher's the other day in, uh, in Teddington. Uh, not the other day, but a little while ago. And they make their own chicken Kievs. And it was, it was really, it was Armstrong's, was it Armstrong? I can't remember. Um, but it, it was really delicious, and I love chicken Kiev. So yesterday I had two uh, with mashed potato. Absolutely delicious. Today, Berth Bourguignon, if I managed to survive the walking test. Um, I've never read such a tribute to Peaches Geldof as that that was written by her nanny the other day. Uh, this was the, the person who brought her up when she was little, uh, she was been with her through thick and thin, and she wrote as follows. It's, I mean, it's, it's very, very touching. Very touching. In a heartbreaking tribute, Anita, this is Anita Debney, says, My brave, beautiful girl who tried so hard to be happy. She's been the greatest joy, the greatest blessing, the most tender part of my heart and soul. I loved her through the good times and the bad. We struggled and survived the darkest of times. I never lost faith in her spirit and strength, Always held out my hand to help her when she struggled and fell. She overcame so much, and my love and appreciation of her indomitable spirit never wavered. She said she blossomed in motherhood and excelled at raising the sweetest, happiest babies in the world. She was passionate in her need uh, to speak up for the needs of babies everywhere. What a wonderful legacy she's left the world. My darling girl, she says, you almost made it. What a touching thing to write about somebody. Almost as good... Almost as good, and if not better in its own way, as the one that uh, Diana's brother did in the church. I remember that morning of Diana's funeral, and uh, much against the royal family's better judgment, because they weren't really a fan, I'm afraid. They had to come out in force, and they sat there. And then Earl Spencer got up and did his speech, and you could have heard a pin drop. And the oddest thing was that when he finished his speech in the Abbey... The applause came from outside, and it echoed throughout the whole of London. In Hyde Park, where they uh, erected these huge screens, people stood up and clapped. 
because I don't care whether or not there were people who didn't like Diana. It never really bothered me. You always you Listen, you can't find everybody who likes the Almighty, so why would you worry about somebody who didn't like poor old Diana? You know, she was doomed to the start, the poor creature. But, uh, the, the, but the public outpouring for her, you'll never see again. Princess Margaret died, nobody gave a toss. You know, Diana dies, £30 million worth of flowers were in front of Kensington Palace. People came from all over the world, you know, for that. They, they came over, and the outpouring of grief was the, the like of which, as I say, you'll never see it again. Even, I, I defy it, even for the Queen and for the Duke of Edinburgh, you will not see it again. You'll only ever see it for Diana, because people liked her. All right, some people didn't like her, but, you know, some people probably don't like me either, but I couldn't care less about them either. So it was very interesting, and that's why when you read the ex-nanny's tribute to Peaches, we survived the darkest times and overcame so much by Beautiful Girl. And um, and she did leave a legacy. I said she'd have been delighted to read the, the headlines about her. She, she achieved at the end of her life, which was tragically too short, um, something which she, she didn't really get. She got all the wrong headlines. You know, the drink, the drugs, the tattoos, the wild child. And then, finally, she'd sort of grown up a little bit. Now the family have got her back. They can organise the funeral. And uh, hopefully that will be fairly soon. The other story that's in the papers today is uh, this this uh, case which failed in court. This is to find out who killed PC Blakelock, Keith Blakelock, who was hacked to death, as we said yesterday on the programme, in the most tragic and awful way. It reminded me very much of the two officers who blundered their way into an IRA funeral and who were stripped and beaten to death. I mean, as as bad as it's going to get, PC Keith Blakelock uh, was macheted time and time again. 47 injuries to his body. And Lord Stevens, the former Metropolitan Police Commissioner, has said in the paper today, the Met knows who killed PC Blakelock, and they won't give up until they have the proof. And I reckon it will be some years down the line, they will eventually assemble it, they'll get somebody into court, and they will charge them. Sometimes it takes them a long time because they want to make sure they get it right. Obviously, you know, recently, they haven't got things right, but they do know it's only a matter of time. Over time, allegiances change, new information is gathered. Only a matter of time till they get somebody in court charged with the murder of PC Keith Blakelock, and only then will his, uh, will his widow, Elizabeth, finally get some sort of justice in her life, because at the moment... She's, uh, she's getting nothing at all. So let's hope that Lord Stevens is absolutely right. And they will sort it out. You've had to wait ages. We had Lee Boxall, didn't we? The young lad who vanished, who they think was murdered, but they don't know. They never found anything at all. And now, 28 years later, they've arrested three people. Four people have been arrested all these years later. So patience is a virtue, as they say. Sometimes people can't wait that long. No, can they? And they want their own, their own sort of justice. And sometimes it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen for them. Maria Miller's uh, bullying spin doctor is set for a taxpayers-funded payoff of 16.5 grand. Joe Hindley lost her £66,000 a year job when Mrs Miller resigned this week and said she would donate her severance to charity. Labour MP Thomas Doherty yesterday said Miss Hindley should follow suit. Miss Hindley told a Daily Telegraph reporter probing the Culture Secretary's expenses she wanted to flag up that her boss was instrumental in the Lord Levinson press reform. Well, I mean, Maria Miller is now past history and uh, probably we won't mention her ever again until she pops up on uh, on I'm a Celebrity or something like that. Uh, best of luck with the treadmill, says Sasha. I'm a long-time fan of LBC and I've always loved your show. 
good, isn't it? Well, hopefully I'll be here on Monday. Wouldn't guarantee it, though. I could be the first one to collapse on the treadmill. I'm really not looking forward to it. Really not looking forward to it. Um, how old are teachers nowadays? I've often seen people, when you see them on the television, they talk about... T- they look so young. They look so young. And uh, teachers uh, here, older women, are being forced out of teaching because schools consider them stale. It's this, this, dreadful, this dreadful putting down of the elderly, isn't it? It's the dreadful putting down again. Oh, no, they're not, uh, they're not so good, I'm afraid, anymore. Once they get past their sell-by date. But some people are, are sort of really good as they come into their mature years. Why shouldn't we keep them? I like keeping them. I see, uh, thankfully, at long last, Kerry Coke Toner's out of hospital, like anybody who give, uh, give a forex. Uh, she's left hospital with her fiancé, because the wedding's coming up later this year, just so that she can... Um, she can, uh, she can make some money, because that's all she does now. She's never done a day's work in her life. I get so bored with these people who are so bone-idle. And uh, she's left... Uh, she apparently she had a very traumatic birth. For that read, I'm flogging another story. There'll be another traumatic story. And here she is going out with this plank of a boyfriend, George K. And uh, they got the all-clear from the doctors. She looked in very good health. Well, she was wearing a tracksuit, but that's what chavs wear nowadays, isn't it, really? And uh, her blonde hair was scraped back and away from her face. Yeah, because she's a chav. I love the way they make it sound like it's a fashion statement. You know, there's nothing fashionable, I'm afraid, about uh, Kerry Coke Toner and her regal tracksuit. You know, for a woman who's been declared bankrupt twice now, the tracksuit cost um, £120. It's juicy couture, apparently, whatever that is. But as I say, she's still as big as a beached whale and still got no talent at all. But luckily, she better make some money by selling pictures of the baby. Fantastic. Fantastic. We like Amanda Holden. The secrets of the judges, she said, when the show's over, my life goes back to normal. I put on my welly boots and jump in muddy puddles, unlike David, who goes off to play with Elton John. Yes, I think in the nicest possible way. The nicest possible way. Guess who's still alive? Roy Chubby Brown. Uh, this is the man who, who does a very, very, very rude act. It's very, very rude. If, if you're easily shocked, you wouldn't want to go and see him. It's, uh, it is just lots of swearing. Lots and lots of swearing. He's bringing out a song, though, for the World Cup. So he's hoping, I think, to challenge Gary Barlow. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't wish to be mean about Gary Barlow, but I'm a bit bored about reading about Gary Barlow and his blooming songs. Ever since we were told that load of old hogwash at the Queen sings Gary Barlow songs, I reckon I could put the Queen on Mastermind and go, Gary Barlow songs. I, I don't know any. No, well, but you sing them, don't you? Uh, no, no. Yeah, of course she doesn't. Ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. I do like the other story. This is in um, Rio de Janeiro. And there's a woman talking to a TV camera about rising street crime. And she's saying how dreadful it is. And as she's standing there, a mugger runs past, grabs her necklace and rips it off her neck and runs away. I think the shaken woman said afterwards, I was so nervous. I'm not surprised. And there's a picture of him. I mean, he looks like he's a a thief because that's what he does. There's loads of these people we're finding now. It's crazy, isn't it? And so she's actually on television. You don't think he might have been intelligent enough to realise that if he's actually on on sort of camera, they're going to identify him and they're going to arrest him for, for nicking things. Uh, Italy's worse. Rome is terrible. Little gangs of boys on little motorcycles. Thieve from tourists. So if you walk it down the road holding your bag in Rome, there's a chance you could lose it. Always keep it on the inside, not the outside of you if you're walking nearest the road. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, on the subject of uh, Princess Diana, Ian says, your thoughts on Princess Diana mirror the truth, an honest reflection. Perhaps you should uh, 
run the country. Oh, I wouldn't know where to start running the country. I'd have to clamp down on benefit immediately. The benefit fraudsters. I mean, I would want to sit in a benefit office and go, right, let's have a look at you. No, you look all right to me, pal. I'd have an army of people out there. You know, I'd, I'd offer phone numbers, which they do now, but people kind of, they haven't plugged them for a while. If you suspect somebody of benefit fraud, you phone this number up and they will investigate. You can do it totally anonymously. Totally anonymously. Uh, I was uh, not sure about the... A story which emanated in the Bournemouth Echo, which has made it into some of the papers for today. It's a, a woman who goes out and she buys uh, a brand new DVD player from Asda. And she gets it home and it turns out there's a hardcore porn film inside it. I mean, how that gets into that, I've got no idea. Anyway, Asda have given her £20 back. <laughs> Seems quite nice, doesn't it, really? I think that's uh, that's a good idea. Or is, it, or is that a separate one from the from the one where the woman bought Frozen and took it home and there turned out to be a gay porno film inside it. I wasn't too sure whether it was that one or not. I shouldn't laugh, really, because it's probably quite serious, but it does. It, you, you look at it. Surely when you take the DVD out, you look at it and you go, it doesn't look like that. Let's not watch it in front of the children, just in case. I mean, I don't know if people do them as, a, as some sort of joke. If, it, if it's done as something, you know, they go, let's put this film in here and, uh, and see if anybody actually notices... Uh, Madeleine McCann, front of the Daily Express today, uh, not because they found anybody, not because they've charged anybody, not because of anything at all, but apparently a new lookalike victim has been snatched from her bed as well. And would Prince William fly a German plane? I don't think so, he says. So that only goes to prove he's finally making some good decisions. Still plenty more to come on your Friday early morning breakfast show with Steve Allen. Plenty more stories for handing over to Lisa Aziz with the morning news at 6.30. Britain's Got Talent boss Simon Cowell says the show's royal seal of approval is what attracts so many overseas acts to audition. Not royal seal of approval. Was there a royal seal? I wasn't aware there was one. Sorry? Oh, the variety of forms. Oh, right. Contestants from France, Greece, United States and Ukraine auditioned for this year's series. Oh, that's why, because they've run out of people in this country. That's why they have to go to circuses abroad. Julie Walters will be honoured with a BAFTO fellowship at the TV Awards and the big rise in the number of people changing their bank accounts since the new switch guarantee makes it easier. From LBC, this is Steve Allen. All of that and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Good morning. It's Friday morning. I trust you are well. Very exciting at the weekend. I like the weekend. I like any day of the week, actually. I'm not particularly bothered. I'm not one of these people who says, oh, I don't like Tuesday or Wednesday or Monday. I, I like every single day, even like Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So Simon Cowell says that uh, Britain's Got Talent, the show's royal seal of approval, is what attracts so many overseas acts. It's not a royal seal of approval at all. The Queen has nothing at all to do with the Royal Variety performance. It's made up uh, by ITV or the BBC, whoever puts it together, and they just go, we're looking to fill it with some acts. And so that's why Simon says contestants will come from France, Greece, the United States and the Ukraine. They're all circus acts, ladies and gentlemen. It's because we've run out of talent in this country. We have no talent whatsoever, I'm afraid. That's why they have to trawl circus. That's why you get people doing shadow puppets. They're not the amateurs that we see on the show normally, where you get somebody with their dog that jumps through a hoop. It's not that kind of thing at all. They're, they're looking for, you know, people who balance. They're also looking for a show. There's no point in putting somebody on there. You know, there's about 40 of them. Because that's just not going to work on the Royal Variety. They don't have enough room for it. But it's got nothing... The Queen sits there, bored witless, I should imagine. I don't even know who's going for the Royal Variety. But it's not a royal seal of approval. It used to be called, a long time ago, the... 
royal command performance. I am commanded by Her Majesty to uh, to let you have a go at this uh, this show, which has been the graveyard for so many comedians and so many people over the years. Where I've been to many, many, many of these shows, and we've sat there going, "God, this is rubbish." Sometimes they're really awful. The worst one we ever saw was Meatloaf. Meatloaf was I mean, all over the place. I didn't even know what planet the poor soul was on. So we watched it. Uh, Julie Walters will be honoured with a BAFTA fellowship at the organisation's TV awards. Oh, that's good. I like Julie Walters. I like Julie Walters. I think she's uh, as Mrs. Overall. I, w- I wanted to come on as Mrs. Overall. I think that'd be very funny. She's very funny. And uh, was I proven right yesterday? What did I say to you yesterday when the papers were saying, change all your passwords, change... And I was going, no, don't change your passwords. Do not change your passwords. And now the papers are backtracking and going, um, might have been a bit hasty on that one. Don't change your passwords. You know, if you've got stuff online, most of it is safe. It's another thing where people thought there was going to be a virus a short while ago. Do you remember the millennium bug? And everybody got really panicky. Come midnight, oh, the whole place is going to crash. What happened? Nothing. Nothing at all. So... You know, you don't need to change your passwords because just keep an eye on your bank accounts. Just keep an eye. If there's something that comes out that you're not aware of, then you go to the bank or you, you phone up your credit card company and then you and you sort of you look at it and you, and you, you contact the people and say, listen, I don't recognise that transaction at all. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk and... Uh, uh, a traumatic birth, Steve. Why? Wouldn't they let her have any booze? You'd probably find she couldn't have a cigarette or something during it. It's her idea. I mean, put this way, anything in Kerry Coke Toner's life that's traumatic is really nothing at all. Nothing of any consequence. But as uh, she has to flog her silly little stories, you know. Oh, dear. Uh, her Majesty does not sing Gary Barlow's song. She likes the Sex Pistols. I don't think the Queen likes pop music at all. Absolutely not. Mary says, wonderful tribute from the ex-nanny of Peaches, brought a tear to my eye. It was the best, I mean, it was so well written, wasn't it? It was absolutely wonderful. It was, it was really nice. I like things like that. And it was good. As I say, it reminded me of Earl Spencer. Uh, who's never been so popular at the age of 69? Angela Rippon. Angela Rippon has hit back at claims of ageism and sexism in the television world, saying she's never been more in demand for work. Mainly because, I mean, she said, I think, the other day, she said, I can't believe I'm 69. And she so shows no sign of slowing down at all, does she, really? Other female presenters blame unfair factors for their work drying up. Uh, she says it was her age and experience that was getting her jobs. Of course, if somebody's capable of doing a job, I mean, until I go completely round the bend and do lally, I shall probably sit here till my dying day. I mean, that's my, that's my wish. Might not absolutely work that way, but, I mean, that's, that's what I'm sort of looking for. Or failing that I can just sit in the corner and dribble. You know, that might be OK. I can probably manage that on some of the radio stations that we've got. Uh, she said here of herself and co-presenter Gloria Honeyford of Rip Off Britain, uh, who's 74, and Julia Somerville, who's 66. She says, if you look behind the accusation and at the reality, we're employed because of our age. I've been in TV for 49 years this year. That's our age and experience they employ us for. I was the first presenter of Top Gear. Did they get rid of me for ageism? No, they didn't. I went off and found TVAM in my 30s. Take Come Dancing. I was the 16th presenter. And I came after Terry Wogan, Judith Chalmers and Michael Aspel. Yes, I mean, it's, it's so easy, isn't it, to say that somebody doesn't get a job because of their age. I don't, nobody's ever worried about my age in a job, as long as I sound fairly coherent and I sound reasonably young. 
Well, I'm, I'm not sure actually whether sounding reasonably young is good in radio these days. But as long as you sound as though you've been around the block a few times and you know what you're talking about, I think it's okay. I think that's why. Age doesn't make any difference. I mean, I've actually got a boss who wasn't born when I started. That's what I find quite frightening in this day and age. I've got producers who I'll, I'll say something and they'll look at me blankly and I can tell straight away he's got no idea what I'm talking about. I'll mention an actor. or some, I had to ask him this morning if he'd heard of John Wayne. I think he thought it was a pop song, John, Lane is, John Wayne is Big, Big Leggy or whatever it was. But anyway, there's a book coming out about John Wayne, because I'm always fascinated. He was, they had to push to get a Congressional medal put through for him, and he always gave this impression of being rough and tough. He had an affair with Marlena Dietrich, and as you know, Marlena Dietrich had lesbian lovers as well. And uh, he said she was, uh, she was the best. She was the best that he'd ever been with. But the, but the big butch image that John Wayne had, wasn't him at all. He was, he was completely the opposite, completely the opposite. And I remember seeing him on the Oscars, and he came out, and he'd had throat cancer, which I think was the thing that, uh, that probably took him. And uh, in the end, he left a legacy of all these films, which, you know, if you like cowboy films, then you'll probably like John Wayne. I like the idea of a barmaid called Dolly Savile. Dolly Savile is the world's oldest barmaid uh, at 100. 100, and she's still pulling pints. In the 1940s, in her pub, a pint of beer was how much, do you think? In the 1940s. Cast your mind back. How much? Half a penny. Well, in the 1940s. It's ridiculous. Eight pence. This is eight pence old money. OK. If you wanted a gallon of petrol, 27 pence. That's what a gallon of petrol was. A first-class stamp was a penny. How lovely. I wish we could go back to those happy days. An average house would cost you £750. A Ford Popular car was £80. And a packet of crisps was a penny. You could have got a bottle of wine for 33 pence. Small wonder we're a nation of alcoholics, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, I've done the treadmill test. I was there for five hours. Oh, no, I won't be there for five hours. The, the treadmill test is, uh, is less than 20 minutes. And says, it's not easy. I was out of breath. Um, Malcolm says, wasn't last year's winner of Britain's Got Talent from Hungary? Yes, yes. And Paul in Cheshire says, am I being thick? Read Britain's Got Talent. Surely the clue is in the title. Why would they attract foreign acts? The last winner was foreign. Shouldn't it be therefore the world's got talent? Well, they're trying to pretend that it's for people in this country, but they've had to trawl circuses and put adverts in papers to try and encourage people to have a go for it. That's why uh, they call it Britain's Got Talent because it's held in Britain. But the truth be known, half these acts are Vegas show acts. That's why they're going round the world to find them. Because the best place you find these sort of novelty acts would be places like the Moulin Rouge, the Crazy Horse in Paris. You'd find them in uh, Las Vegas showrooms. And so they bring them over here. They go, why don't you have a go at this? And they think, oh, well, that's a good idea. We can be on television. We've waited years to be on television. Now we're on television. You know, you're never going to see a magician winning it because their act is going to be cut down so quickly. They're looking for something short, sharp and snappy. So a dog that rolls on its back is brilliant. They, they like that kind of thing. They like that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it's not Britain's Got Talent because they're trawling circuses. The moment you see them coming on, doing balancing acts, you know they're from a circus. They're just filling out a very thin programme. I think, personally, it's had its day. A Ugandan gang leader who helped milk £4.1 million from the benefits system isn't going to pay a penny piece back. Self-confessed bigamist Ruth Mbuzi led a 20-year scam in which she and four other members of the family faked AIDS to get drugs. She then smuggled them into a homeland where they were sold for massive profit. Last month, she was ordered to repay £1.5 million 
But uh, her lawyers have said, she's not got anything at all. Of course, because she's a thieving little toe rag. She's taken it away, hasn't she? She was jailed for 16 months for arranging a scam marriage. Why should she worry? 16 months. She'll be out enjoying the, uh, the pleasures of ripping this country off. She sublet flats, got disability benefit, tax credits. She's got, apparently, if she, if she doesn't pay this, she can get a further six years. So, in other words, we've got to keep this little fraudster, you know, until she pays it back. She's not going to pay a penny piece back. Not going to pay one penny piece back. These people don't. They have no interest. They've thieved it. They've taken it abroad. And that's as far as it goes. You, you try and get it back from there. I, as I as say, I always try and say, why can't we go back to the source of this thing? Who was handing this woman disability money without checking her? Interesting, as uh, the former Deputy Speaker Nigel Evans was cleared of a string of historic sex attacks. He said he endured 11 months of hell. Uh, the key witness who helped police trawl for other alleged Nigel Evans victims is an actor and a voice artist who can create any emotion for effect. He's a bisexual Westminster aide, now 28. He told stories in Commons bars of how Evans once made a drunken pass at him in 2009. Last year, he assisted police in finding two more men who had stories to tell about the MP. After talking to one, he texted a Lancashire police officer to say, he's confirmed he'd be happy to talk to you. Would you like his contact details? He was also close friends with a third man who would later claim that Evans attacked him in 2013. And so it goes on. He's quite clearly not a very pleasant person at all. But uh, this is it. Innocent of all charges. You have to question the Crown Prosecution Service and where they get some of this evidence from. Are there just people there who'd be willing to stand up and just say anything? Has it, has it got so desperately sad now that they go, oh, yes, uh, something happened here? I mean, as we now know, five of the people in the Evans case said they didn't even want the case to come to court. It was just a bit of fun. It was consensual sex. Why on earth, then, if it was consensual sex, the Crown Prosecution stuck their nose in? I can't imagine. Coming up, the poems that are driving grown men to tears. LBC News time. 5.15. indeed. 17 minutes past uh, five. Dan, he says, last night at work and nine nights off. How lovely. I was going to ask you, actually. I'd seen you this morning on the bus because next week we have this uh, roadworks taking place in the middle of Twickenham where they're closing it off to put in something. I just wonder whether or not the buses are going to be on diversion. I think I'll have to arrange for my car to pick me up from, uh, from elsewhere. Because I think it's going to be absolute chaos in Twickenham for, I think, four nights or five nights. So for anybody who lives on the high street, you're going to really suffer, I'm afraid, quite badly. And I don't know how it's going to affect people coming in from Kingston uh, or surrounding areas. So if if the buses are on diversion, that's going to affect uh, a lot of things. Coming up with Ian Dale. He's in today, last day. (coughs) Excuse me for Nick Ferrari at breakfast. As the former Deputy Speaker Nigel Evans is cleared of the charges against him. They could be asking, does the CPS have a case to answer? Plus the author of a new book about the war in Afghanistan that the MOD is trying to ban. I'll be joining Ian to talk about why it's important. It should be published. And with many school kids facing an Easter holiday filled with revision, Ian will be asking, is it worth paying for a tutor? Sadiq Khan, the Shadow Justice Secretary, Labour MP for Tooting, is looking at the papers for today. All of that and more <coughs> Excuse me, with Ian Dale. Uh, Frederick Forsyth is talking uh, about Bruce Forsyth. He's taking off his tap-dancing shoes and will trip no more. And so who will replace poor Bruce Forsyth? And the once-mighty co-op is on the verge of collapse. They don't know what they're doing. It was once the biggest food chain in Britain. I can remember the adverts. It's all at the co-op now. And you could buy everything at the co-op. Not only could you buy and eat at the co-op, but they would bury you as well. The co-op funeral service was known throughout the world. Um... But they don't appear to have changed. They look a bit dated. 
they need to bring themselves into modern times. The co-op food business in 2009 took over Summerfield, and that had a dreadful name. We had a Summerfield in Twickenham, and I remember going there to talk to somebody about Summerfield, and it was the fact it didn't sound very exciting. Summerfield is a name, whereas you know what you're getting, don't you? When you go to, I mean, I would assume in most people's minds, if you think of somewhere like Aldi, and you think of Summerfield, and you think of the co-op, you're thinking of a certain level. If you if you move up a little notch, then you might squeeze in Tesco, but still you might think a bit low rent. Sainsbury's, you would think, would be fairly good. Waitrose and, I would think, Marks and Spencer's would probably be at the top of your list for quality. I know that you can get similar items, similar items, uh, in, in other supermarkets, but it's the quality, isn't it? I think they were doing in... Was it Morrison's Lobsters for a Fiver? Well, you know, ridiculous. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Nigel Evans, you'll never get over it. Some people take pleasure in ruining people's lives. I don't understand why, And as Ian Dale's going to be looking this morning, the CPS ever put this case into court. Five of the witnesses didn't even want to go to court. Weren't remotely interested. Weren't remotely interested. I didn't see Panorama yesterday. Was it another single mother benefit thing again? I don't know. We seem to... We seem to. Uh, strangely, it, it's only in this country, isn't it, that you can become a single mother, obviously intentionally, and, uh, and then we seem to pay for the child. I don't know why. Shouldn't you make the father pay for it? Wouldn't that make it so much easier? But so many of these fathers are, are wayward, and that's why you actually see them all over the television on the Jeremy Kyle show. They have no intention, I'm afraid, of, uh, of ever, ever paying for their child, and no intention of ever seeing it again, I should imagine. just seemed to delight in getting women pregnant. Uh, uh, is it right for people to stay in their jobs into their 70s, like Gloria Hunniford, whilst able young people cannot start out in life, and they probably don't need the money? What's that got to do with it? Ab- absolutely nothing at all to do with it. Nothing at all to do with it. Put it this way, there's no point, you know, if, if somebody's booking Gloria Honeyford for a show, it's because they want Gloria Honeyford for a show. They're not going to book a young person who hasn't got any experience. Why would, why would that matter? It's got nothing at all to do with the money. There's plenty of voluntary work for those people with pension. She doesn't want to do voluntary work. She wants to get paid for it. You see, you mustn't be jealous about people earning money. That's the whole idea. You know, perhaps they should say, I tell you what, let's actually stop employing people after the age of 30 so we can give everybody a chance in life. And then people over 30, if you haven't made enough money, it's your own problem, isn't it? So, uh, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, young people who can't start out in life. What, you think we should stick them on television? They've got no talent. You've seen them on the television. They're bad enough on the Jeremy Kyle show. They can barely string two words together. That's why people like Gloria Hunniford do very, very well. That's why people of her age are more in demand on television, because she comes with, with gravitas, she comes with experience, she comes with knowledge, she comes with the trusting that the British public have of her. I wouldn't want to watch anybody else replacing her. That would just be stupid. 84850. Kevin, who's a very careful milkman, he says, if I make a mistake on my round, it comes out of my pocket. Imagine how much money it would save the Treasury if every member of staff at the DSS had to work the same. Yes, and well, I'm of the opinion that there's lots of people working these benefit offices that knowingly pass on fraud, because they never seem to go back to that source, do they? These people go and they say, oh, I'll talk to that one over there. OK, I'm putting this through now. OK, just put it through. Because how you get away with £4 million in the case of this Ugandan woman, who was quite clearly a huge con artist, we've had loads of people. They just make up families. And yet nobody checked. Nobody at the DSS checked. She was claiming they all had AIDS. Well, where was the evidence to suggest this? There wasn't. There wasn't any evidence. There was no evidence at all. Should we not go back to the DSS office and say, right, which person were you dealing with? Who are you? And let's find out. Because there's quite clearly some, some, uh, some dreadful things going on 
in the uh, in the benefit office where they're putting things through and they're not checking them, and that's why. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Ian says, what's the difference between Angela Rippon and the smug dancing Susanna Reid? Answer, Angela is pure class and connected with the public. Yes, Susanna Reid connects with nobody, I'm afraid, as we've, we've discussed loads and loads of times. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, David says, tomorrow is the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of the iconic RT bus. And these vintage vehicles, including RT1, will be running for one day over the withdrawn section of route, the Route 22, that's between Piccadilly Circus and Clapton. On Sunday, events at the London Bus Museum, which isn't in London at all, but Brooklands near Weybridge, a vintage bus running from Weybridge Station, other vintage bus rides available too. I've been there loads of times, and various London bus garages having open days this year. Uh, The good news is, of course, on Sunday, on Sunday, which is where all these events are taking place, it's also the Marathon. So my, my advice to you all is avoid central London unless you're taking part in it. You start down at Greenwich. Uh, I shall be in here. Luckily, by the time I finish on Sunday morning, the, uh, the runners will be nowhere near because they don't start, I think, until about 10 o'clock. I think about 10 o'clock, something like that. And so what they will do is they will um, start running. I think it's about an hour and a bit before they hit London. And then they're going to be in the Mall, aren't they? And there's going to be thousands and thousands of them running to that great bit of music. Dun, 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 Although some of the papers are talking about the weather and saying that, sadly, for Easter, it might not be as good as you want it to be. I was hoping after yesterday's uh, little bit of sunshine, which was lovely, we might actually end up with some more decent weather. But somebody was predicting the other day, and I think we mentioned it on LBC, there could be, there could be snow around. I think highly unlikely, but I'm willing to hedge my bets on it. I wouldn't actually categorically say there is no snow around. I have a feeling that there might be some sort of bad weather somewhere. There's a story in the paper today of, uh, of a hospital aircrew held up by travellers who've moved on to a site in Brighton, thus preventing a helicopter from landing. They claimed they had no choice but to move their vans and trailers onto the field near the Royal Sussex County Hospital. I don't know why. Residents spoke of their anger as the police uh, and the emergency choppers were forced to circle the helipad while the police were called. It's getting stupid wrote one resident on a website. It's about time the council and their team of spineless traveller liaison managers stopped messing around and dealt with these travellers. Eventually, they were served with a notice to leave. They moved immediately and the helicopter could then land. It's getting ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely stupid. Oh, loads of funfairs taking place. That'll be next week. Next week is Easter. George Irving and his uh, huge funfair will be at Hampton Court. The reason I say huge funfair is because last year, due to the appalling weather, they had to cancel it. And that was the first time in, in ages and ages that they'd ever had to cancel the fun. I was absolutely gutted. Absolutely gutted. I was so looking forward to a good fun fair. And it is a big, big fun fair. Big, big fun fair. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Let's weave everything in this morning. Uh, Sophie says, I hope what you read about tre- teachers isn't true. Um, I'm going to be 44. I think they're looking at people slightly older than 44. But definitely, uh, teacher. They seem to like younger people to be teacher. I suppose because they get them cheaper. I'm assuming they get them cheaper. Uh, we will have after the news coming up very, very shortly. Um, two clips from in conversation from this week. The one that you're all looking forward to, Adamant. Yes, Adamant opens his heart to me. We put a picture up on Twitter. And the lovely Ruth Jones, who got her MBE this year, and she'll be telling us a story of how she managed to keep it secret. Adamant will be telling us how he met 
Frank Sinatra. It's amazing what this this uh, this boy can talk about. I say boy because every time I tell people Adamant is coming up to 60, people say no. He can't be. He must be 32. He is forever ageless. Forever ageless. And he's going to be with us on Sunday morning on LBC between 5 and 6 for In Conversation. That's AM. Then repeated 9 o'clock at night. We'll have two clips for you coming up in a, in a few minutes' time. There's another woman here. Uh, who claims she was a jobless single parent while in a civil partnership. She's a lesbian mother. And uh, when the seven-year deception came to light, she tried to claim that her partner was her mother. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, This is a woman called Karen Armitage. She was given a suspended prison sentence after a judge said she was in no way a danger to society. It doesn't matter whether she's a danger to society. These judges are so out of touch, aren't they? It's got nothing to do with whether she's a danger. It's the fact she's a benefit fraudster. How much did she take? £50,000. £50,000. She lived with this hospital worker from 2006. They were in a civil partnership and she's been claiming for donkey's years. Um, they had, she has previous convictions for theft, handling stolen goods and obtaining property by deception. Really? And so she managed to spirit away 49000 and uh, she should have declared the details. I mean, quite clearly she's an old fraudster and she knew she was an old fraudster. Uh, she's been given a six-month prison sentence, ordered to do a 200 hours unpaid work and attend a 15-day programme to address her offending. Oh, it's pathetic, isn't it, really? Little slap on the wrist. She must be absolutely wetting herself laughing at them. They're such idiots, I'm afraid. They really are stupid. The judge said most people in her situation should normally expect to go to prison, but he said there's no real reason to believe you will re-offend. <laughs> she's laughing at you, mate. Absolutely laughing at you. Uh, 84850. Maybe Maria Miller should be on Come Dancing or The Voice. Or working for the DHSS. I don't know what she's going to do now. I don't think there's any... There's nothing in the pipeline. Perhaps she'll bring out a book. I did laugh the other day. Nadine Dorris, that well-known failure from the uh, from the television programme, uh, had a book launch the other day, but banned a journalist because the paper that he worked for had given her a bad review. As if anybody's going to be buying her book. Who in their... Hands up. Probably count them on one hand who's going to be buying Nadine Dorris's book. They don't sell. They don't sell these uh, these books at all. They literally don't. That's why you go to Poundland and they're remaindered quite quickly. Nobody's interested. I remember seeing Cherie Blair's book in there. It was the most boring thing I'd ever read. Not that I read it. But there is a, there is a book upstairs and it's still, not, it's still not gone, strangely enough. The Margaret Thatcher biography. Still not gone up there, which I find very strange because normally a big book like that would be a good, good conversation piece. I've got Peter Mandelson's book at home. I've got various other MPs. But for some reason, it's just a little bit too big. A little bit too big. Coming up, the In Conversation preview clips, LBC News Time. It's 5.30. A couple of stories in the paper today. Firstly, uh, one involving coffee, and apparently if you gulp it, it tastes better. You know, we sip coffee in this country. The only way to drink proper coffee is to drink it without milk in, which I have tried before, and it's vile. So it must be a British thing. Other people in other countries, they, they drink it without milk. They have a little tiny bit of milk on the side if they want to take it, and most people don't. But it comes with a little glass of water. Go to any of the cafes in Vienna especially the Café Lantman, and you'll get your cup of coffee with a little cup of water. You take a sip of uh, coffee, sip of water to cleanse the palate, and then you enjoy it that way. As far as I'm concerned, you just drink the coffee to try and stay awake. You don't do it for any other reason, do you? And I'm a bit worried about the story of an RAF hero. He's 83, and he was arrested and locked up for seven hours. Why? He took painkillers into his wife, who's in a care home. So here he is, and he's been banned from seeing his wife of 60 years after he gave her a painkiller patch during a visit to the care home. Walter Crompton is his name. He took in the prescription medication, which contains morphine, when his wife 
complained about pain from arthritis, but suspicious workers at the care home in Manchester called the police and the devoted husband was arrested for administering a noxious substance. It's terrible, isn't it, really? The RAF veteran was then detained for more than eight hours, seven of which were spent in a cell on his own without any food. He was asked to give fingerprints and a DNA sample, and his house was searched because he took in some painkillers. I don't quite understand this at all. He was eventually released and taken home, but as part of his bail conditions, he was barred from contacting his wife or visiting the care home. Can you imagine? This is your wife, and now somebody has decided, over and above you, that you're not going to be allowed to visit her. Well, I'll tell you, I'd be willing to break the law on that one. He says here, you'd have thought I'd killed somebody, but I was just trying to look after my wife, as I've been doing so for 60 years. I've been her carer for 15 years. They put me in a police van and locked me in a cage. Shame on the police for that. Shame on the police for locking up an 83-year-old man. These care homes, they've a lot to answer for, haven't they, really? Anyway, nobody spoke to him for four hours, uh, and all he did was give her a patch. What's the matter with that? I would do the same if it was my, my mother in there or my father in there or somebody that I knew. I would help them out. Apparently, Detective Superintendent Joanne Rawlinson of the Public Protection Unit, whatever in God's name that is, said this is a potentially serious offence in which a vulnerable elderly woman with significant health issues could have come to serious harm and as such the police will always conduct a thorough investigation. Surely you've got better things to do. Surely. As part of our inquiry... Our priority is always to protect vulnerable people, and this may involve certain bail conditions being imposed. The care home declined to comment, so I bet they bloody well did. They did try, honestly, she's in pain. He's looked after her for 15 years. What do I think he was trying to do? Kill her or something? Honestly, you do sometimes wonder, don't you? You do sometimes wonder. Uh, how did it ever get to court? This is the big question Ian Dale's going to be asking this morning. This is in the case of uh, Nigel Evans. And uh, we'll look in a moment at the other celebrities wrongly put through the ringer. And you ask that question. Somebody needs to be uh, looked at uh, the CPS. Somebody's obviously got a grudge against certain people and they're obviously putting things through which shouldn't even get to court. I mean, there's, there's one, two, three, four. There's now five of these cases which have resulted in nothing at all. Five of these cases. Anyway, two fantastic guests for you uh, for Sunday for In Conversation. Uh, this starts at 5am before my other programme, which is Steve Allen Live on Sunday. And then the programme in conversation is repeated again at 9 o'clock. So just after Clive Bull, just before Duncan Barks. My first guest this week is a Welsh TV actress and writer. Been on our television screens for over a decade. A whole generation will know her as Nessa from Gavin and Stacey, while others will remember her as Kelly Chadwick from Fat Friends. It is, of course, Ruth Jones, and she told me about her biggest honour. Somebody told me that MB stands for Mumble's Best Entertainer. <laughs> oh, here we go. We're going to do Welsh all the way through, I can tell. Well, Mumble's is a place in Wales, in case you don't know. A real place. A real, real oh, place. Yes, thank you. No, so that, when did I'm you know? Right. Did they tell you November? Uh, yes, about November time. I came home and I opened the post and there was this letter. And I, you know, some, you just, I just went, this is a joke, surely. And it said, if, if you were uh, given an MBE, would you accept it? And uh, you're not allowed to tell anybody. So I did immediately ring my husband and say, oh my God, I'm getting an MBE. Um, and then I didn't tell anybody else. And then it all came out on uh, uh, New Year's Eve. And it was lovely. How did you keep it secret? Um, 
Well, I don't know. I just, I, I, do you know what? I think it's that I'm a bit scared of like getting executed or something. <laughs> and I thought, oh, maybe I, I'll, I'll be beheaded if I tell anybody. So um, I, I kept stum. And it was quite weird because my friend Dominic Cook, who was the artistic director of the Royal Court Theatre, he was given a CBE at the same time. And both of us had dinner together uh, at the beginning of December. We both knew that we were both getting it because we were old friends from university. And, uh, and neither of us said anything. Fantastic. The lovely Ruth Jones, you can hear her this Sunday morning in conversation. Also joining me this week, a guest who a lot of you are very excited about. This has been more retweeted than anything else that Adam Ant is going to be with us on Sunday morning. He used to perform with his ants, but now he's solo. Adam Ant, telling me about his musical icons. I've seen the great singers. I saw Sinatra. Brilliant. Right at the end, everyone said his voice Where did you see him at? I saw at the Greek in L.A. Oh, best concert I've ever seen in my whole life. He was so fantastic. He, you know, I mean, I saw the Pistols' first ever gig, and that was important. But Sinatra was more of a punk rocker, because what he did was, I was at the Greek. I, my friend, was promoting. I had a seat at the back. All I wanted to do was Summer Wind, because that's my favourite song. But I just wanted to be in the same space as Sinatra, breathing the same air. So I'm sitting there, got my seat early. I'm there at like seven o'clock. It doesn't start till nine, and there's some geezer sweeping the stage in a, in a Frank Sinatra silk bomber jacket. Turns around, it's Sinatra. Oh. And he goes to, he goes, um, I'll see you later. He goes, uh, we, we toss for it. And uh, Sammy's out there ironing down his hair. And uh, we <laughs> toss for it. I'm coming and last. He goes off. <laughs> Cut to Sammy Davis comes on. Now, Sammy was very ill then. But he was moonwalking. He was fantastic. But prior to same Sammy coming on, these kind of rich sorts were coming in. And when he was performing, they were talking to each other oh baby honey how you doing talking to each other and this and you know very disrespectful so then frank comes on ladies and gentlemen welcome to the greek theater mr frank that comes on he walks in kind of tuxedo he's got his glass of whiskey he walks up he goes straight to the front of the stage straight to the front of the stage stops points and looks down and goes no class See, that, that, you didn't need to... If you were Frank Sinatra, I'd have been kind of worried. You know, Frank Sinatra, he had connections, ladies and gentlemen. More from Adamant on Sunday morning on LBC, repeated on Sunday evening. It's a, it's a fascinating conversation. Fascinating conversation. You know that he's performing at the Hammersmith Apollo next Saturday. He's doing Dirk Wears White Socks, the album that he's never done live in public before. Uh, Stella, which is Ruth Jones's other character... Her DVD Series 3 is out now. There's Series 4, which I think they're filming, and Series 5 has been discussed as well, plus some um, some fantastic uh, Christmas specials as well. Uh, my friend Jason is currently on the train with a child's ticket, dodging the ticket master. I don't know, disgraceful, really. But uh, we'll, have a nice, uh, we'll have a nice lunch tomorrow. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here that says, um, uh, It's my nan Margaret's birthday. And she loves your free podcast. Please say happy birthday to her in it. I'm not allowed to do that anymore, actually. I, well, I've just made that bit up, actually. That's not true at all. <laughs> just made it up. But, uh, and uh, Kirstina says she listens to everything that we say on the programme, uh, which is interesting. Uh, somebody's also looked at the picture of me and Adam Ant and said he looks a bit like Johnny Depp. Yes, he does look a bit like Johnny Depp, I would agree. He's so much bigger. When he came in, he didn't look that big until I looked at the photograph that we put up on Twitter, and I suddenly realised that he was so much bigger than I was. He's also a little bit younger than I am. Uh, Wendy says, how about Helen Mirren as a national treasure? We've tried to work out what would constitute a national 
uh, treasure. Uh, Jan says, in South Norwood, I'm planning to settle on the sofa with a glass of Merlot to watch True Blue, which arrived yesterday. You'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. It's such a good film. Such a good film. I wonder how many people bought the box set of That's Entertainment. I'm on to DVD 2 already. And uh, she say, uh, this week, Don and I visited the Cheapside Hoard Exhibition at the Museum of London. Another of your recommendations, stunning and well worth visiting. One of my favourite museums, Museum of London. One of my favourite museums, well worth, uh, well worth going to. Well worth going to. In my place of work, says Karen, we're lucky to have a free car park for all the staff. One of our male staff came into the office yesterday to tell us the day before he'd gone to his car after finishing work to find his car bonnet and headlight had been stolen. He said he only drives a Ford Fiesta. I mean, how embarrassing to have a Ford Fiesta bonnet nicked. There was that car that was parked in Wales, wasn't it, in Welsh Wales? And they, they went in to do some shopping. They came back and the car had been stripped of everything. They'd taken the bonnet, the wing mirrors, everything, parts of the engine. And it was obviously somebody who was rebuilding some sort of wreck and they decided that they were going to go and take it. I've lost track of the amount of times occasionally in the papers you see sort of some flash car in Knightsbridge up on bricks because thieves have come round during the night and taken it away. Andrew Pierce is talking about today Nigel Evans... And uh, he says here, boozy attempts at seduction are now a career in ruins, which is contrary to what some of the other papers say. No no doubt Andrew will be telling you tomorrow on his programme and no doubt we'll be discussing it because everything has now come out in court that he he, he got drunk and fumbled. But I thought that would probably apply to the whole country, wouldn't it? That's when people get brave. That's when people get brave. You go to a party, people have a few drinks and they become a little bit sort of emboldened with everything and they sort of, they do make passes at people and that's when you sort of, you find your people say, oh, go away, goodness sake, grow up. And so that's what it was like. It doesn't matter whether it's him or whether it's any other person, gay, straight, bisexual, it makes no difference at all. Everybody's gone in for the drunken fumble at some point. You've had a few drinks and you go, I really love you. You know, people do it. Even at my party it was going on, so let's face it, expect those to be court cases in a few years' time. Weather for today, I'm not really that bothered, but it's dry and bright with sunny intervals, so I'll be spending most of it walking on a blasted treadmill. And uh, maximum temperature today, 16 degrees. Some onshore breeze likely to develop around coastal areas tonight. Dry, good clear spells developing, wind light and variable. Chance of rain, 0.5%. Who cares? It's the weekend. I couldn't care less if it rains. Makes no difference to me if it rains at the weekend. Saturday, sunny spells. Odd spot of rain or two on Saturday afternoon for you. And the outlook for Sunday to Tuesday, dry on Sunday and into early next week with some bright or sunny intervals. Let's hope for the Easter weekend when you're all going away. You're probably going on holiday or you're going to go and visit fun fairs. Then uh, we have nice weather for it. We do not want another sort of washout. Thank you very much indeed. We really don't. Um... Workers in France can now ignore telephone calls and emails from their bosses when they're at home. They brought in a new law. It's a legal framework drawn up that says nobody from work can call you after six o'clock at night. Never work in this business at all. So the, uh, they say, as well as enshrining the 35-hour working week, the, uh, the party have cut the retirement age by two years, and now employers will no longer be allowed to contact staff after 6pm. Imagine if that worked all the time. Not allowed to contact you. So-and-so's just gone sick. Can you come in and cover? Wait a minute, it's five past six. We can't call anybody. So they don't. They don't call people. I just wonder, really, whether or not that's, uh, that's the way here. I don't think so. It's funny how the mail today have picked up on bra sizes. Wigan, 36F, is an average bra size. And heavens above, I don't it's enough to sort of make you go blind, I would have thought. 36F, and it's getting bigger. The average UK bra size has gone from 34C to 34D, but it's, uh, it's the northerners. 
who sort of put it so that that's you, ladies and gentlemen. You are the the northerners, and for you, it's it's bigger bra sizes. How the women fare in this, I've got no idea, but I'm assuming you know <laughs> the men will cope with it, won't they? Quick time check for you. It's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. I always thought teachers were badly paid. There's a report in the Mail today. They found 900 head teachers who are on more than £100,000 a year. And they found one, Jacqueline Vallin, who has been executive head of Southfields Community College in South London for 16 years. OK. Despite being credited with achieving excellent results at the culturally diverse school, she got a, a £20,000 pay rise in 2010, which took her salary to £198,000. Her total remuneration, 226000 The 60-year-old appointed her partner, Wanda Golinska, as an associate head teacher on a salary of around £100,000. Not a bad little income for a family, is it? About £300,000. I thought they were badly paid head teachers. I didn't realise. She says that uh, recruitment would be badly affected if pay was limited. God, not in your case, I don't think so. Blimey. She's been there 16 years. It obviously works, doesn't it? I suppose. Uh, Other stories of the papers today. Richard Littlejohn says, Why hasn't the Nigerian illegal immigrant who shouted threats at police and soldiers in his attempt to break into Buckingham Palace been arrested and deported? He's quite clearly disturbed and may well pose a danger to himself and the public. So why was he only offered words of advice and sent on his way? He says he hates Britain and wants to go home. We should buy him a one-way ticket. No, we should make him pay for his one-way ticket. I never understand why somebody would be here and sort of not enjoy themselves. It's a very nice country, but quite clearly he's got some sort of illness which needs sorting out. Uh, In the paper today, your passwords are still secure. You know, Google, Facebook, PayPal have insisted users are safe from supposedly this catastrophic internet bug. I said to you yesterday, I stand by it at the moment, just in case, you know, but always check, do not change your passwords. If somebody can access them now, then they'll access the new ones you put in. It won't make the slightest difference. So uh, just leave it the way it is. But check your bank accounts on a daily basis. PayPal is about the safest one you can get. And if you've got other ones with various other companies, I mean, some people, you know, there was a blogging website which said change them immediately. Not me. I'm not changing anything at the moment. I'm checking and monitoring the bank account, and I've got a very good bank who will check it for me. But at the moment, not changing anything, thank you. Uh, Roy and Cheryl Arment uh, have a pie and mash shop, uh, which is in Woolworth. Good Lord. How many pies? You know, I've never had, in my entire life of being in London, I've never had pie and mash. I don't know why I never end up with this. Okay, David Beckham apparently adores pie and mash. And if ever he's in certain parts, it might even have been in, uh, in Arment's. He might have gone into there, because they're, they're almost like a dying breed, aren't they? The only one I ever remember was Tubby Isaacs. And that's, uh, that's the only one that I could ever remember from years and years ago. But it's, it's supposed to be a traditional part of London life, and it's kind of bypassed me. And yet I do like, I do absolutely enjoy a pie, and I do enjoy mashed potato. And I could probably even go for the liquor on top of it as well. But they've been a part of Walworth's history since 1914. Good Lord, how old are Roy and Cheryl? But anyway... They celebrate their centenary. They definitely can't be that old. They must be about second or third generation. So good luck to them for tomorrow. Uh, Steve, teachers are badly paid, says Sophie. It's the head teachers who earn silly money. Yes, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I didn't realise that they earned that sort of cash. I had no idea. It does seem a, an awful lot. Alison says, looking forward to the Adam Ant interview. I'm off to see him next Saturday. A Christmas present from a friend. Yes, I mean, he's... Uh, You'll be very, very pleased with the interview. 
I mean very, very pleased with the interview because it's a nice interview and he's very revealing. We talk about everything except, as I said before, because I think it's been dealt with and I wasn't here to start talking about being bipolar or his sectioning or anything like that. He were, He's in a very good place at the moment and the reason he's in a very good place is because he's working. If you're working, it means that it's, uh, it's good news and it takes his mind off other things. Uh, Caroline says, don't forget Norman Wisdom and Leslie Phillips. I'm assuming... This is uh, as national treasures. Yes, Norman Wisdom would have been a national treasure. Certainly in Albania, he was a national treasure. And Leslie Phillips. Yeah, do do they have to be... um, They don't have to be dead, do they, to be a national treasure? That's why some of the people, they're they're looking at Brucey and saying that he's he's a national treasure. And he is. He is a national treasure. Why shouldn't he be? Uh, 84850, steve at And uh, somebody says, I've just heard that Sue Townsend has passed away. I used to read all her books. I never read any of them. I never read any of her books. But Adrian Mole, age 13 and three quarters, was the story of a young boy growing up. And it was very, very good. She's uh, 68. Tom in Swansea says, get yourself to Mumbles. It's a lovely part of Wales. Here's my friend uh, Lynn knows all about Mumbles. Because I think that's where she comes from. All of her family. Uh, and then somebody else says, how can they stop this man seeing his wife? He must have rights. The world's gone mad. They obviously thought he was, he was trying to, to do something. To her, but in fact, he's been a carer for years. But I think it's absolutely atrocious when you get to that age, and people start interfering. And they go, uh, so they call the police. This care home calls the police. I'd have her removed immediately. But of course, he's probably going to find now his hands are tied and he can't do anything. I feel immensely sorry. Oh, uh, David Cameron's going off to. They've nicked my word, Lanzagrotti, the most ghastly place you could ever go to in your entire life. It was awful. It's a volcanic island. All the way down the middle of the island, volcanoes. And you can do you can do trekking to them. Everywhere you go on the beach, they've got it's uh, it's volcanic ash. It's this grey ash. Crossing the road, unless you've got shoes on, is hilarious. It's a, <laughs> because these things are like razor sharp, razor sharp. So be very careful. But that's where David Cameron wants to go. Rather him than me, ladies and gentlemen. Full of Brits. Full of Brits. Why do you want to go somewhere that's full of Brits? You know, if you go on a holiday, the whole idea is you try and sort of mix into the culture. We hated it. I didn't like any of it over there. Even the weather was terrible. Even the weather was terrible. If you go on holiday, it's, uh, it's a case of, you know, you want to go away for some, some sunshine. I suppose, really, that's why people go to Dubai. <coughs> Most of the cast of The Only Ways Essex seem to go there. So that's a very good reason for me not going there. Definitely a reason for not going there. Uh, you're served a glass of water with an ice cream coupe. And uh, somebody says, Adamant has, in my opinion, excellent taste. Yes, I mean, you're, you're going to love the interview on, on Sunday. You really are. You really are. It's a, it's a very, very good interview. He's, uh, he's very chatty, and we talk about all sorts of things. Uh, Peter says, last night on LBC, one caller said the accuser should be named and shamed for their false allegations since Evans had been found innocent. Like any of us who is prosecuted has been found not guilty. I fully regard him as such. The logic that a not guilty verdict means a false allegation, I think, is quite wrong. Uh, will Ian be looking at that? I have no idea. I'm not privy to what goes on in Ian Dale's mind, but no doubt between 7 and uh, 10 this morning they'll be exploring that. It's very interesting. Andrew, Andrew Pierce says his career is in tatters. I wonder if Ian Dale will be saying the same thing. Andrew Pierce has got his weekend breakfast show tomorrow on LBC, and he, out of uh, all people, will know what it's like. If you're, if you're a gay MP, quite clearly you enjoy a, a few, few bevies and you do a few bits of fumbling and things like that. Why anybody would ever have thought that it was worth taking to court, I don't know. It was all consensual. 
There was nothing that wasn't consensual. Even the person, uh, I think three of them said, no, it was just a bit of fun. You know, all of a sudden, people are sort of just scratching away at anything to try and find something. Somebody called saying, oh, this was rape and that was... And it turns out it was nothing of the kind. And the jury quite clearly saw through all this fraudulent allegation. And that's why they then decided that um, that it wasn't going to go any further. And they stopped it. But at what cost? The cost is absolutely astronomical. Absolutely astronomical. And yet we have to pick up the pieces and pay for it. Um, young women are happier than men. Except in one particular instance. And the instance is pay. It's pay. Because I think that if men and women do a similar job, they should be paid the same. I've never understood why. At Wimbledon, women used to get less than the men. Almost as if they were sort of a subculture or something. Now I think it's been brought up and it's, it's almost roughly the same. But it should be absolutely identical. Except in, in television, because or television and radio, depends on who you are. If you've got a higher profile, then you earn more money. For somebody new coming into the business, you wouldn't earn as much money. Once you've got a track record, then you start making some money. So that's why it's the, uh, it's the case of certain people who make lots and lots of money nowadays. And so they should do. I've never begrudged anybody making money. I don't understand why some people actually get very funny about the whole thing. They go, oh, no, we should definitely make more money. Uh, did they not say once that Cheryl, Y.I. Cole, was a national treasure? Or was it the nation's sweetheart? No, I just thought she was an old reprobate who nobody bothered about. Unless Simon Cowell wants to drag her back in, because apparently she knows more than Gary Barlow, he said. I couldn't believe I read it either. I thought that was a very odd one. But it's, it goes back to the Britain's Got Talent. You know, where, where they've, they've now got people from the Ukraine. In other words, it's circuses. There's nothing else in the Ukraine. Uh, David Beckham, says Howard, uses the pie and mash shop in Waltham Abbey. Isn't it funny, the idea of David Beckham sitting in there, you know, perhaps in one of his mean and moody things. Because when he smiles, he's a bit geeky, but he's doing mean and moody at the moment. And uh, surely he should be advertising whiskey. Because he is just an advertising hoarding, I'm afraid. Um, other stories which are making the papers for today, which we'll come round to a little bit. Who had an affair with Errol Flynn and gave Sophia Loren lessons in being seductive. Who would you think this is? It's somebody that we mentioned on the programme yesterday. Somebody mentioned on the programme yesterday. She had an affair with Errol Flynn. Diana Dawes. No, 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 she's still alive, this person. And gave Sophia Loren lessons in being seductive, and has a much, much younger lover. I've interviewed her. Have I interviewed this person? Who do you think it is? Who do you think it is? The yoga woman. <laughs> Which yoga woman? Come on. Gillian Lynn? Yes, Gillian Lynn, who's 88 and looks absolutely fantastic. I mean, really, she looks fantastic. You look at this lady and you think to yourself, my goodness me. I mean, she has two metal hips and a fused ankle, but she, she knows how to look after herself. I mean, absolutely amazing. And there's a, a lovely interview with Jenny Johnson inside the Daily Mail for today. So she's got this fitness... De- Listen, if it's working for her, I might try it. I might try it. I'm hoping actually anything's better than this blasted treadmill that I'm going to be doing a little bit later on today. But I won't be the only one, but I'm assuming because they brought it forward, somebody's dropped out. Still plenty more to come on your Friday. Early morning breakfast show on LBC before Lisa Aziz comes along at 6.30 with the morning news. And Ian Dale, of course, for Nick Ferrari. The Telegraph leads on research from Cambridge University that up to half of men diagnosed with prostate cancer are being given false hope by tests that underestimate the severity of their disease. 
Tory MPs are preparing to step up their revolt over Britain's membership of the EU, according to The Express. The new public poll due to be released today. The Mirror leads on the death of a British gold dealer in Spain, whose ex-girlfriend has now handed herself into police in Slovakia. All of that and more is coming up. From LBC, this is Steve Allen. That and your texts and emails are next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Five past six is the time. Plenty more to come on your Friday. It's the final one of the week, actually, the early uh, breakfast show. Uh, Tory MPs preparing to step up their revolt over Britain's membership of the EU. The mirror leading on the death of the British gold dealer in Spain. The ex-girlfriend who's now handed herself into police in Slovakia. The class teddies making parents unbearable. And uh, for stay-at-home mums, oh, it's a doddle for you, isn't it? No, it's not. 31 hours of chores. There's always something to do. All of that at your texts and emails. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And don't forget, we have a free podcast for you up a little bit later on. That's between now and 6.30 this morning on LBC. And the uh, the story of the class teddies, I'll come round to uh, in a moment. 84850, steve at uh, The Michael Palin story, which we gave you yesterday on the station about him going solo... Uh, he's going to tour with his own solo show. This is a month after the Python's farewell show. He's 70... 70-something, I think. And he's never actually been out on tour before. Not by himself. Not by his little lonesome. And he's got loads to talk about. He's got his latest set of diaries which are coming out. We must get Michael Palin in, I think, in time for his uh, one-man show. Because, uh, because I'll, that's very interesting. Because the Python stuff will be completely different from the other stuff. Because I know Michael Palin, as many of you do, as a traveller... And somebody goes around the world and shows you things. I mean, I've, I've really been fascinated by his programmes over the years. And I bought the DVDs. I bought into it where he's been here. I think he was following Phileas Fogg uh, at one point, trying to get around the world in 80 days. And it was super. And that's what he does for a living. The Pythons back on stage will be very interesting to see. Because, as you know, they haven't actually they haven't rehearsed anything yet. <laughs> they haven't even teamed up because they've all got big projects. And so when they do the week before, it will be fresh when they go on stage. I can't wait to see what it's going to be like. I'm hoping they're going to bring out a DVD. Somebody wrote to me the other day and said that when Adam Ant is touring and when he does his show at the Apollo next Saturday, he, uh, they hope that they're going to bring that out on a DVD as well. I hope so. So there's a, there's a, few, there's a few DVDs that we'll be looking out for, I think, as we, uh, as we head into the year. And we've got Easter to get through yet. Easter. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Kevin the Milkman said, Steve, you said she had two metal hips, this is Gillian Lynn, and a fused ankle, but she knew how to look after herself. By the sound of it, a can of WD-40. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh, should you, actually? Uh, Herbert says, great show as always. Women only play three sets, not five. Men's tennis is more interesting. No, I, 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 think, I think women's is more interesting. They make far more noise. Far more noise than women... <clears throat> terribly tedious. Claire says, I often hear that people uh, like Lanzarote for holidays. We did a cruise last year to the Canaries and had a day at Lanzarote. I honestly thought I was at a place that had been hit by an apocalypse. It was so barren and no colour, black gravel and sand and windy. I can't see what the attraction is. Very similar to you. No, I didn't. We hated it. Well, as I say, I hated it, I'm afraid. Um, (laughs) I just don't know. I just don't know why. 
people would ever choose to go there. I thought it was horrible. I thought it was dreadfully uninteresting. One of the excursions they went, because you were so bored, because the weather was so vile, and you're trying to think of things to do, and there really isn't much to do. You wander down to some little shops, and you buy a little paddling pool or a little boat for the kids to mess around in, and that was about as far as it got. It was awful. It really was. I came back from there very disillusioned and very disappointed with the place. Apart from the fact that one morning for breakfast, because you tend to find when you go on holiday, it's buffet, and they had fish there. And so (laughs) one of the members of our party decided to pick up this fish and cut into it. Of course, it was raw. It was absolutely raw. And uh, all the blood and guts went out all over the place. So ever since then, we just decided to give up on anything (laughs) remotely odd and just stick with bread rolls. Much easier. Uh, I stopped for a day at Las Palmas in the Canaries many years ago. It was grim, all that volcanic ash, bleak scenery and a very tacky resort, says Margaret. Yes. Yes, I I don't know why people go there. I mean, is it because it's cheap? Is that what what encourages you to go on your holidays? Because they're they're cheap? I don't know. Christine in Bristol says, I so enjoy you and Ian Dale. Thank you. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to hear that as well. Um, uh, Kevin says, Tubby Isaac's not a pie and mash shop. It's a seafood stall. Says Kevin. It's seafood, isn't it? There was something that went on with the Tubby Isaacs brand, and I can't remember what it was. Did, did Tubby Isaacs die, and then somebody else took it over? No, I th- I'm sure that they do... They do um, I'm sure that Tubby Isaacs does pie and mash and eels and stuff like that. I'm pretty certain. I might, might have got it wrong. Might have got it wrong. Kieran says, women at Wimbledon don't do the same job as men. They play less sets, so they should get paid. So should they get paid the same? I think so. They're more entertaining to look at, aren't they, than the men? Do you think we're ever likely to win Wimbledon? We have a British champion. Would that be nice? Yeah, last yeah, but we waited for years for that one, didn't we? We're not going to have it again. I mean, we're all hoping that Tim Henman was going to pull wonders out of the bag, but he just ended up advertising washing powder. It became very dull, I'm afraid. Um, I, I did promise that I would mention, because I, we do a, a lot of work for hospices, and we like to mention the good work that they do. And uh, out in Thaden Boys, in the village hall there, St Clair's Hospice have got a, a spring fair going on tomorrow with free tea and biscuits, and I like the sound of that, from 10 o'clock and children are free. I'm not sure if you just go and pick one up and take them home and get them cleaning the car or something. I don't know. Uh, the front pages, many, of course, leading to the reaction on Nigel Evans's acquittal. Tories and CPS at war as Evans cleared of rape is The Guardian's headline. It has more on calls from senior Conservative David Davis for the, Anthony, uh, for the Attorney General to overhaul the way sexual offences are prosecuted. I mean, should these people not be not named until anything happens? Should it not be some sort of anonymity? Speaking in the Times, Lord Macdonald said prosecutors risk losing perspective on a mission to pursue prominent figures. He's a former director of public prosecutions. House of ill repute, say the Independent, as one of the young men allegedly abused by Nigel Evans, claims there is a drink-fuelled and promiscuous Westminster culture. Well, I should imagine there's probably a drink-fuelled culture there. Whether it's promiscuity, I do not know. Uh, Mr Evans also features on the front of the I newspaper... As the jury clears him of sexual assault charges, it quotes the former deputy speaker who described his ordeal as 11 months of hell. The Telegraph lead on research from Cambridge University that up to half of men diagnosed with prostate cancer are being given false hope by tests that underestimate the severity of their disease. Tory MPs are preparing to step up their revolt over Britain's membership of the EU, according to The Express, with a new public poll due to be released today. The Mirror dealing with the death of that British gold dealer. His ex-girlfriend has handed herself into police in Slovakia. And The Star reports on the kidnapping of a three-year-old girl in Australia in a case that has echoes of the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. And finally, The Sun have more on the death of Peaches Geldof. But the most moving thing was her ex-nanny writing about her. That was the... uh, that was the uh, the clincher this morning. That was the one thing. The family have now uh, had the body. 
back and they can now plan for her funeral. Whether it's a, a very private funeral, I have no idea. No doubt Bob Geldof and the family will be telling us and her husband, uh, Thomas, a little bit nearer the time. Uh, Jan Moyer, talking about uh, Michael McIntyre and his dire chat show. Absolutely dire. It, 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 nobody seemed to like it. And the reason was it was an experimental chat show where they're putting the talent of Michael McIntyre, who is undoubtedly one of our top-earning comedians in this country, but the one thing we don't need is another chat show. There is nothing new that can come out of a chat show. Absolutely nothing. We've got Paul O'Grady. We've got the Graham Norton show. You've got Friday Night with Jonathan Ross, Alan Carr's Chatty Man. They're all there. Everybody's doing a chat show nowadays. And she says, writing here, let us all prepare to weep tears of joy and pray that it won't come back. Today's chat show sycophants make Parky look like the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, Lily Allen was described as sensationally talented and when asked by McIntyre why she'd been ubiquitous recently, replying that she was out promoting her new album. You can now pre-order it, Lily said. Almost an instruction to the studio audience and those watching at home. Yes, it's just become a plug fest, I'm afraid. All these chat shows, there was nothing new. The BBC wasted a lot of money, much as I absolutely think Michael McIntyre is fantastic. I don't want to see another chat show on the television. The one thing Jan Moyer doesn't want to see is, uh, is no more of Claudia Winkleman. Definitely no more of Claudia Winkleman. She says, Bruce Forsyth has finally tap-danced off. Filling, filling, filling his twinkling patent shoes will not be easy, but that hasn't stopped them from apparently settling for the easiest option, Claudia Winkleman. No! Yes. The walking fringe is hot favourite to replace Brucey. Please say it's not so, says Jan. They might as well spread the dance floor with syrup and sack the band leader. It would be a bigger disaster than Nancy Delolio's rumba. Just the whole of Nancy Delolio, I'm afraid. She is a complete disaster. Nothing wrong with Claudia personally. It's just that she favours a modish style of television presenting I like to call modern ironic. That means that neither the proceedings nor the participants are taken seriously. Uh, modern ironic is also practised by Mel Gidroich and Sue Perkins on the Great British Bake Off, increasingly by Kirsty Allsop, and reaches its peak with the dreadful Keith Allen. Yes, it's, it's, I do like Sue Perkins. Can't stand Mel Gil Gidroich. That voice just annoys me. If I hear her on a television advert, I switch off, I'm afraid. And uh, Keith Allen, I don't know enough about. But she says here, in my darkest moments, I even long for the sober return of Katie Boyle. Who never played it for laughs. So there you go. There's one woman's thoughts. I wonder, are you thinking what she's thinking? Probably. Probably thinking what I'm thinking at the moment, which is uh, the time now. It's quarter past six. Tony is uh, joining uh, the uh, the team this morning with Ian Dale at breakfast in Finnick Ferrari from seven. As the former Deputy Speaker Nigel Evans is cleared of all the charges against him. Ian will be asking, does the CPS have a case to answer? And that seems to be the... the uh, the, uh, the running in the papers for this morning, plus the author of a new book about the war in Afghanistan that the MOD is trying to ban. I'll be joining Ian to talk about why it's important it should be published. And with many school kids facing an Easter holiday filled with revision, Nick will be asking, is it worth paying for a tutor? They never seem to be doing any revision, children. I just thought they went outside and played. Looking at the papers for today... Sadiq Khan, Shadow Justice Secretary and Labour MP for tooting. Lots of people are going to be talking about Nigel Evans. It's been the worst 11 months... Uh, Christine Hamilton will be saying that the CPS has a case to answer. You remember Mr Hamilton and his wife Christine were arrested uh, in 2001 after a mother of four told the police she'd been raped by them. You remember this one? I remember it was done on television. It was amazing. And uh, she says 
that uh, somebody's going to answer for these cases there. How can they have brought these cases to court and ruined people's lives for no reason? Because they've had quite a number of high-profile cases, cases where, really, if they'd looked at it properly, they would have known that there was absolutely nothing that they could do about it. Uh, for example, in the case of William Roach, an 81-year-old, an 81-year-old, who was uh, arrested with two counts of rape and five of indecent assault... Uh, during the trial, he was cleared of one charge due to lack of evidence and acquitted by the jury. Dave Lee Travers, the same. Jimmy Tarbuck. Sex offences were, were dropped last month after the Crown Prosecution Service ruled there was no case to answer. Why was he even named in the first place, then? Why was he even named in the first place? Jim Davidson was arrested by Operation Utree officers in 2013, re-arrested two months later, and now they've, the CPS have said he'd faced no charges. How do these cases ever get to court? I don't quite understand. Is there somebody who's got a grudge at the CPS? Is there, is there one person who makes the decision? Is it a panel? I've got no idea how it works at the CPS. I don't know if the papers arrive on their desk and there's a group of people who sit down and have a conference about whether or not, or is it just one person who decides? Because quite clearly somebody's got some agenda going on down there. There's loads more of these high-profile cases coming to court and gradually, one by one, they're being thrown out. I'll be talking about that uh, this morning with Ian Dale on breakfast, 24 minutes past six. Don't forget, well, I must remind you very quickly, we have a free podcast for you up just before seven o'clock every morning and then the podcast of this programme, if you go to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk, we have a, a new app. And once you download this app from the website, it will send the programmes automatically to you. If you're a subscriber, if it's just the free ones you're after, then we can do those as well. It's all available on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Sunday morning... Is when we have our in conversation repeated at nine o'clock at night. So for all the Adamant fans and all the Ruth Jones fans, that's what you have to do. You can download those on Sunday, and they're going to be talking about the the marathon because I don't know how many people are entering the marathon this year, but I'm assuming there will be thousands pounding the streets. There'll be thousands of people every every day. I see people running, and I'm assuming they're all getting ready for the marathon. There'll be a few quasi-celebrity runners, you know, the Amy Willertons of this world. But to be honest with you, it's the serious people who, who do it, not the, the ones who bask in the glory. I remember Jade Goody running the marathon the night before. She had three curries or something stupid. I remember thinking, I don't think you're going to get very far, are you, really? 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. Um... Uh, Tubby Isaacs is still there selling cockles and muscles in Clacton. Was there on Saturday. Well, he can't be him. He must be dead by now. He must have died years ago, I would have thought. And uh, David Beckham goes to Tony's Pine Mash in Waltham Abbey. It's amazing, actually, uh, how you all know these things. It's Manzi's Pine Mash in Peckham, says Chris. <laughs> uh, another East End firm, Cooks, doing pie and mash. It's amazing. Firstly, Barry Cryer, says John, is our only national treasure. Yes, I mean, I see, I'm a big fan, a big fan, sorry, big, big fan of, um, of Barry Cryer. I think he's absolutely amazing. And, uh, dear God, says Francis, remember all the drunken fumbles of the 70s parties. Serious allegations, plus how mud can stick, serious damage in the aftermath. Yes, I mean, everybody. I mean, you'd have to put the whole country on trial, wouldn't you? If it came down to the fact that, you know, have you ever had a drunken fumble? I mean, I thought, I thought most people did things like that. I mean, that's, that's the whole idea of going to parties. You had a drunken fumble. Wasn't any other reason for going to a party, was there, really? Uh, the BBC are raking in an awful lot of money every month, about £15 million a year, just to about cover them, sort of flying people out to send sand back or something, by fleecing viewers who pay their TV licence quarterly. People without the cash to buy the £145.50 licence up front are stung 
with a £1.25 premium four times a year. That means three million budget-conscious people hand the BBC an extra five million a year just to watch television. It's because people can't come up with the, uh, with the right amount of money. Katie Hopkins, never one to be backwards at coming forward and promoting her dreary little self, uh, was talking about the, the spat... Uh, on this morning, which Peaches gulled off one hands down, mainly because Katie Hopkins was an idiot, I'm afraid, just saying stupid things. And I think they appeared a few times on television. Peaches wouldn't want me to tweet, she says. Uh, celebrities are the priests of pain. Yes, well, pain you'd know all about, Katie. You seem to have inflicted on most people. Last night, the fans were out. In fact, actually, yesterday morning, the fans were out for last night for Spider-Man. Uh, unfortunately, it was, uh, you know, the film's great. It's lovely if you like that kind of thing. I have no idea anything about Spider-Man. I just know that there's a lot of fans who are dressed up in Spider-Man outfits and there were a lot of rather sad members of the TOWIE cast who turned up uh, because they don't have anything else to do. I'm assuming they popped in on a, on a tour bus. I can't think of any other reason why they would be, uh, they would be here in town, but they were yesterday. Uh, another one here says... Uh, I used to work with you many years ago, says Maddie, when LBC was in Gough Square. I worked on the reception with Liling. I've got a picture of you at my leaving do, and I left to have my son, who's 24 today. It is not possible, Maddie. It's not possible. Listen, uh, I'm back on Sunday live at six with Adam Ant and Ruth Jones. You can download the programme later on LBC. Ian Dale here from seven with breakfast, standing in for Nick Ferrari next. Lisa Aziz with the morning news.